Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, we hear about Pierre's improbable story. From growing up with almost nothing to being a first-generation high school and college graduate and earning $30,000 in his first job out of school to pursuing a master's in organizational psychology and eventually landing at UVA for his MBA at Darden. We learn how he managed to secure at Goldman during the great financial crisis in the private wealth management division, how he navigated feeling like an outsider, and why he eventually moved back out west after over a decade. All right, Pierre, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Sure, man. Glad, glad to be here. Uh, I know it's a little bit longer, a little bit overdue, but um, definitely let's make the most of our time today. So thank you for having me. Awesome. So real quick, if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio, that would be awesome. Sure. So I am calling you now from Los Angeles, which is where I'm from. So uh, specifically uh, the Long Beach area, Long Beach, California. I went to undergrad Long Beach State, uh, was a psychology anthropology major there. Graduated many, many moons ago in 2002. Oh, we're, <laughs> same, we're same year. We're the same year. Yeah, yeah. From there, I um, I ended up uh, working in my first job out. I worked at a, a drug rehab facility doing statistics, so outcomes research. I've always had a very a strong stats orientation. Mm-hmm. Even my undergrad programs were like leaning stats. Um, then from there, I got a master's in this field called industrial organizational psychology. So we're a little bit aged, you and I. So like for the old, old for the older listeners, there's a movie called Office Space. Many people may know about it, but like they're just Bob and Bob, effective consultants, I was a Bob. So like we would come in and, and show organizations how to be more efficient from a management perspective. So I did that for a couple of years. And then um, went to the University of Virginia, the Darden School of Business to get an MBA, graduated from Darden in 09. Uh, in between there, I was a summer associate at Goldman Sachs in their investment management division. Um, with intentions of being in their mid-Atlantic office, which is Philly slash DC. Had a great summer there, was offered to come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then, you know, coming back to Goldman in their New York office. So I was a a 10-year banker at Goldman in New York City, although I'd never lived in New York, no connectivity to it. We'll talk about that. did that for a while, had a great experience there, tons of relationships, and came out back to the West Coast and then worked for a small regional bank called the Bank of California covering uh, real estate developers, venture capital, uh, and private equity investors doing capital call facilities to effectively extend balance sheet. And now I'm at a full service digital marketing agency called Power Digital Marketing, where I run venture capital and private equity for them. And what that means is that we have this proprietary tech 
this diligence tech that's been around for seven years is machine AI. And what it does is allows us to quantify the score of a portfolio company, a digital marketing score. But more importantly, it allows us to forecast revenue growth. So if the PE and VC investors, they come to us, they incorporate us as a part of their diligence process, and we're helping them make better investment decisions. So happy to be here, happy to kind of dig a little bit deeper on any you know aspect or pivot in my life. And uh, you know, I'll go, way we'll go from there. Let's go way yeah. back all the way to uh, sure. undergrad because I want to know, did you were a little bit more like the quant stats background? You did, it, yeah. it looks like you graduated in three years. Is that accurate? Yeah, man. So um, Why we were talking years? about birth, birthdays or our little ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my birthday is May 9th. Um, so even when I graduated high school, I graduated high school in 99, but I was supposed to be the class of 2000. Um, so um my many, 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 many more moons ago, when I was a little one, my mom was like, you know what, I'm not going to pay for childcare anymore. We're just going to go ahead and put you in a school early. So I started school a year earlier. Um, I had a decent time in high school. It was hard because I was, I'm a big guy and you can't see through the screen. I'm 6'4", 240, right? But when I was in high school, since I was younger, I was smaller, right? And I played sports and it really didn't work out well being a year ahead, you know, yeah. like you typically want to delay a year, right? So, uh, and I went to the high school I went to was Long Beach Poly High School very well-known sports program, like the Sean Jackson, Eddie Lewis, oh, wow. like one of the top premier programs, like NFL and NBA athletes. Like long story short, like I knew that I wasn't going to college for ball. Cause I just, I wasn't getting a lot of burn. I wasn't getting burned in high school. I wasn't getting any playing time in high school. So uh, when I got to college, you know, everything was about, you know, moving quickly and trying to find a way to get a job to contribute to the household. And I was sort of to take a step back. I was first generation, everything, first generation high school, college, you know, everything, right? Yeah. Um, so I went to Herbie graduate in college initially because I wanted to help people. Like in terms of like helping my community, I had some, you know, some, some challenges as a kid in terms of my household structure and whatnot. I went like, that's really what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I randomly came across anthropology and I was like, well, this is pretty cool too. Like I love culture. I love people. It's like understanding and like, and you know, that was the best way for me to, to travel is to come and like learn about other cultures, right? I wasn't traveling physically, but like you can just learn about other aspects of the world just yeah, by yeah, reading yeah. and whatnot. So, um, so no, finance, man, I, you know, finance or anything around that was not even on the radar at that point. No, 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 dude. No, like, I'm a, like a LA Long Beach kid. Like nobody was a banker in my house. So like nobody, like nothing, like none. Like I didn't know about wall street. I didn't know about any of that stuff. It'll, it'll make sense too when we talk about like going to business school, but yeah, my program was like very like stats oriented, like research oriented. We used to use this software called SPSS statistical packages for the social sciences. Mm -hmm. So like I came with the SPSS background, like not knowing how to use Excel. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the people nowadays, like you don't touch your mouse. Like I'm literally like hugging my mouse. I'm like touching the keyboards, like, you know, with one or two fingers. It was just crazy, right? When I started like working in finance. But nonetheless, so when my first job out was literally looking at the success rates of people that have gone through like drug treatment facilities and it was like mandated by the state. So I'm still doing well. Like, I'm doing it's like for a good cause where like yeah, yeah. I'm getting foundation funding by showing the, re the research results and I'm doing like all these multiple regressions, like this high end statistical analysis. And, you know, from that point, I was like, well, psychology is great, but like, I got to find a way to kind of get paid more. So like industrial organizational what psychology. Like that. What were you getting paid right out of school for that? Ah, uh, dude, this, I mean, you got to adjust like for like 40K inflation, right? or something yeah, like that. Not even that, bro. Like, not even that. Like, go sign like 32,000, right? Like literally. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a cool gig. It's a job. It's a job. And no, you're doing no, kind of, but, yeah. But you know what's cool though was like I was able to work remotely from home and like okay. it was like I ran I ran the group like I didn't report to anybody like I reported to the founder of the foundation and like I'm just doing research like at the house you know kind of like working through numbers and it was like I didn't have to be in, I didn't have to be in a suit and I do anything like that so anyways I ended up concurrently going to graduate school in San Bernardino which is like two hours away from Long Beach yeah. and um 
you know, got this master's in IO psychology. The firm that I worked for in terms of uh, consulting is called PDI, Personal Decisions International. They were acquired by a couple of the firms by now. But like 90% of the consultants there had PhDs in psychology, right? So if you think about for those in the, in the audience that have gone to like that are under business majors as undergrads, it'd be like your organizational behavior professor or like your leadership development professor, right? right. Uh, so like, you know, so for me, so I had came in with the masters and what I was doing was effectively assessing managers on like their cognitive ability, their personality tests, like some role plays and like digest all their data. You were coming in and trying to figure out who could, should be cut, who should be kept kind of thing. Literally. Yeah. Like who should be, who should, like, who's space. a high office space. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who was a high potential performer and so forth. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah. there was a lot of like executive one-on-one coaching that took place. And once we identified the holes in terms of your development areas, did you feel like we there's, were, there's feel like there's enough there. Cause I, I, I did. I looked into a little bit of that in terms of um, like mapping mapping the scores of like your best performers, like the personalities yeah. within an organization, and then trying to map it to the new hires. Try to hire. People. Yeah, there's, so so that's what I did. So it was like there's this concept of like competency modeling, right? Yeah. It's like so how do you define like you'll you'll take your high profile high performers within your organization, and you'll map their personality, you'll map their approach to the job and you say, okay, these are the things that we actually want to hire for. Right. right. And so like, and then you do that. And then I would create the interview questions based on, I would create the scoring sheets and then, yeah, no, there's definitely science behind it. There, there's 110% there's science behind it. So like all we were doing was like thinking through the numbers and like basically applying psychology to the workplace. But like, what were was, you, it, sorry to interrupt, right. but why were you, yeah. what even pushed you to even know to go to industrial organizational psychology? Like, was there somebody who took, was like, Hey, you should go. Yeah, yeah, no, we t- I took, I took, a, I took a class, man. I took a, it was IO psych. It was like an upper 300 or upper 400 level class. And, um, uh, it was like, that was the highest paying field of psychology. I literally thought I wanted to be a clinical psychologist at that mm. point. Right. Like I okay. went to help the community and it was the highest paying field of psych. And like, they weren't, that field of psych is not hiring undergrads directly. Right. So like, and so doing the research and within IO psych, there's a stats, there's a math component that that's, that's implied. Yeah. So that's why I kind of went the other route, but yeah, I, just, I took a class, you know, I, I was taking all these psych courses. I'm like, you know what? I got to find a way to get paid. It's, it's great to be community focused, but it would be nice to kind of think about it. And it was like, and it was like, and it allowed me, every, I thought I was a business guy as a young kid, right? Like everybody thinks they're kind of an entrepreneur, rightfully so, and they should be. And it's like, this is the closest that you can get within the lens of psychology to the business. So my clients back then were like, it was, it was great. It was great, man. It was like Sony Electronics in San Diego, uh, Nestle Purina in St. Louis, uh, like uh, New Century Financial, Countrywide Financial. And this is like back in, if you think about it, this is like back in 07. Right like, like yeah, so I've seen it all, right? And so like I'm hiring, I'm hiring for the sales reps that are like slinging mortgages like crazy. And, and like, I'm like, and like I get to see their personality types and get to see their cognitive ability scores and like, and, and training them up, right? And out, outlining a plan. So it was a great experience. Uh, and what I realized is that I knew about, I knew like I was a consultant and I knew about like effective management and leadership, but I didn't really know, I didn't know how to read a balance sheet, right? It's so, like in terms of like competency models, like strategic thinking, being collaborative, like inspiring others. Like these are these big kind of like buckets in terms of like, you know, being an effective business person. Yeah. And like another one is like financial acumen. Like I was short personally on financial acumen. So how can I coach somebody else on financial acumen? Uh, you know, I was surrounded by great resources, but like, I didn't know it myself. Right. And I was a younger guy and I didn't really have experience. Like I was coaching literally people that were 10 or 15 years older than me. It sounds crazy. You were but like, yeah, but you were like 25 at this point or 26. Yeah. So and I, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Barely. And it's like, but like, but I was well-versed in the research. We had like, we had our own proprietary uh, insights. Right. And like, I yeah. knew it, I knew how to do the, like I knew what leadership looked like. I knew the formulas, but I was like, I didn't have 
the experiential, experiential context. I, I didn't, I wasn't a business unit leader. I haven't ran a business before that. Right. And like, right. And, 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 and not even really after that as well. So, coming, so, so we're just coming out of that, that master. What did you land? Did you get that big raise from the 30,000? Did you get something, you know, more kind of closer to six figures or? Was yeah, no. So, so, so the firm, so the firm that I worked for, so, yeah. So I, so towards my telling, um, so I, I would like my, it was a two-year program. It's so like the last semester. I ended up working at that firm, PDI personnel. That's the firm where they had 90% PhDs. Yeah. And yeah, the bump then was probably like, I went from like 30 to like 48, maybe. Or maybe I bit, maybe I just touched 50. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't completely done with my program yet. So like they gave me a little bit of love and allowed me to, to, to start before that. But, uh, and I was back in, I had to be old, oh, I started business school 07. So it had to be like, yeah, yeah. It had to be like 04. It had to be 04 because I, I spent a year, I did a year teaching math at a, at a local high school as well. Yeah. At Dominguez High School in Compton, California, which is like one of the best jobs I ever had actually in life. That's cool. I think the firm I'm at, I'm at now is literally the best job I had. Like before I came to power, I would say that although doing 10 years at Goldman, like my job as a teacher was literally the best job ever. But nonetheless, yeah, so I bumped up to like 48,000. I'm working in uh, in Century City, which is like a high-end area, yeah. right? I, get, I got a business card, you know, like I got, you know, I, I like a little You're bit of sense. Good. Like I'm, I'm a consultant. I'm, I'm traveling all over the place, right? Like I'm, I'm doing all these billables and like I'm working with these firms. And, um, and my job was a young guy, right? Like I was literally like, to your age, like I'm, I'm, tell, I'm talking to people that have been in business. Like I'm advising people that have been in business longer than I was on this earth literally right so it was a very humbling experience to that to that point but then it came a point where like the world was like you know the world's getting ready to fall apart financially right you see people getting mortgages because i'm covering these mortgage guys and um i had to personally make a decision did i want to either get a phd continue my my psychology training get a phd in psychology to stay within the field or if i wanted to get an mba and i I made the right choice but i just decided to get an mba so i ended up applying to business school and um you know, sightings, that's not a thing. I, I applied, when I applied to business school, hopefully we can kind of go down this path. Yeah, I was purely thinking it. consulting. You were thinking, yeah, I was purely thinking man, you're thinking like management consulting out of the full, out of the. I, I, went, to, I went to work. I went, yeah, great. You beat me to it. So I wanted to work at like a Bain or a McKinsey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like I wanted to be like, yeah, like a build, like a strat consultant, like, like, like you said, out of this like very narrow aspect consulting to more broad, right? And so like, tell me before, it looks all, like you had something, you did something at UCLA called MBA prep or post back. Tell me why you felt yeah. that just to give you a little bit of grounding in the finance stuff before applying, or is that something you recommend, or did that help you? Kind yeah, of so like, so so it was it was it was it was definitely beneficial to me in a sense that it was like a, it was and it still is a highly coveted program. It's called UCLA uh, Reardon, the Reardon program. But they had like the scholars, which is for high school kids, and the fellows, which is like basically post back as you described. And it's been around since the eighties. It was founded by Mayor Richard Reardon at the time. He was the mayor. He passed away. Um, but nonetheless, it's like to to bring kids who have never had exposure to finance on campus to UCLA's Anderson School of Business. And you're there one, you know, one Saturday at the month. You commit a full Saturday. They kind of walk you through. If you're a high schooler, they walk you through, you know, SAT prep stock pitch and everything else if you're post back you're doing like gmat prep you're doing like industry kind of like chats you're uh you're doing like how, a, how uh, do you get into that do you pay for it you gotta compete yeah no you gotta you gotta you have to apply and you're selected uh, they primarily focus on people that are first generation that i've never you know that don't have anybody that's gone to gone to the university process and it's been it was a rewarding experience because like that in that instance that's where i'm starting to finally come across that work in finance right and like i, I did it kind of indirectly to my job but like that wasn't the, the industry that i covered mm-hmm. but like now like yeah like they, they would have 
the people on the board that were hedge fund managers that would come in and kind of talk to us and provide exposure to this population of you know young people that never really had it right yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i'm a big a big a big supporter and fan of the written program now they're doing great work they've created a lot of talent now because of you yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, a lot of there's so many kids man that are like that are like you know from like underserved areas within you know la that get to get bust they get busted in the amateur school of business they end up going like the yales and the harvards of the world and they probably they would probably have gotten it on their own who knows like they wouldn't have the exposure uh, had it not been for Reardon. So I was able to see that as an adult. And um, yeah, just like exposing them. To, like, so before that, I was never, I'd never been on Anderson, like in the Anderson School of Business. I had people that went to UCLA and I would kind of hang out on campus every once in a while, but like it puts you in the seat. So you're able to envision yourself there. And it sounds like something that's very basic, but the reality is like for a lot of people, you know, out there, like they've never really seen themselves in that capacity. So um, like to even get an MBA, it's like kind of, yeah, ever. And so like, it's just sitting yeah. there kind of getting a little bit of the exposure, doing the GMAT prep there on campus. It kind of, yeah, like going there, like navig navigating the building and then they yeah. match, they match, they match you up with um, other like current Anderson students that were, uh, that will be your, your, your mentors. Right. So like, yeah, it was just a great experience. And then, so when I was, when I was, so what typically what they require, well, not the require, what they recommend is that you do Reardon first and then you apply the next year. But me, I'm always kind of clicking, right? I'm doing everything quickly like an idiot. Now I'll say I was an idiot because it was like, it was challenging, man, because the Reardon program was exhausting. It's like, I was working and consulting, doing Reardon and applying to business school concurrently and studying for my GMAT all in one, right? So these are the things that Your you don't Your weekends were ruined, yeah. Yeah, like what? Like, like I gave my, again, my the full Saturday was dedicated to Reardon anyways. Then we had like, there were so many projects outside of the program, like community service projects and meeting with your team. Yeah, my GMAT, everything else, right? Like it would have been better to delay a year. Um, but nonetheless, like I knew I wanted to hurry and get out, go to business school. Um, and yeah, just like study for my GMAT. Yeah, I always tell people like, you know, really commit yourself and study as best as possible uh, so that you can only do it once, right? And like, cause what you, like, you don't wanna, you like, I had to do it you twice. wanna make sure. I did it twice. Yeah, <laughs> nah, dude, but yeah, no, for sure. But you wanna make sure, and I probably should have done it twice. Like, I snuck in and, you know, got lucky and got in, right? But um, the, the reality is like, you don't wanna feel like you left anything on the field because it's such a, you know, it's such a, a big, like it's a big investment, man. Like you're missing out socially with your friends. And you know to do it kind of half-hearted, it's like then you got to do it again. Yeah, yeah, do, do it, it once, once like, do it right. Yeah, yeah, commit, like, yeah you hours on the weekends to have to. Yeah, like yeah, and it's easy to lie to yourself and to tell you to tell yourself that you're studying that you're putting forth the time. Like you really have to like commit yourself. So for those individuals that are in the audience that are thinking about going to, to graduate school of any sorts, uh, this is actually like the most opportune time, right? Because like the world, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but the world is like slowing down, right? And it's like you're not missing out on anything socially. So this is the opportunity, like, for those that are thinking about, like, going to graduate school, study for your 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 your, your, uh, your exams, if you're thinking about picking up a new skill, it's a great time to do it, right? Think about picking up a lane, whatever the case may be, or really, the, like, to stretch yourself a bit. But, um, no, man, so I did that. Reardon was great. It, uh, it opened me up to even thinking about applying to Anderson, which is the, the uh, UCLA's uh, School of Business. Yep. I knew that I wanted to go away. So I'm, and I'm, I'm through and through a West Coast kid. Like, literally, I, you know, I, you had uh, traveled. You, you hadn't traveled, so you wanted to. I, tra I traveled a bit domestically, and like I'm very like I'm, I was very active with like uh, I'm still in like with my fraternity brothers, like my fraternity. So I would travel a lot for that, right? But like in terms of like you know, I'm just I was a sun. I was like a sunshine West Coast kid, you know, very immersed in LA culture, and just like I, I'd have been content just kind of being there 
had I not come across these resources or people in my life that kind of showed me something different. So uh, once I saw something different, I'm like, well, she's, you know, like there are people on the, uh, on the East coast that are just doing well. Right. In terms of like, kind of where, like how I want to do it. Like, especially like finance is just bigger. And like, I think, I think, in, I think, I think business is just bigger on the East Coast, and that's we can do, kind of debate that back and forth. LA is obvious. LA is LA is, yeah, I'm an LA East Coast is guy, so yeah, I'm not going to yeah. argue with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk negatively about LA. No, it's, just, like, I never no, it's true. Finance is just there's it's a there's a bigger market out out east. Yeah, I think it's just like in LA is driven by Hollywood and entertainment, right? So right. if your aspirations are Hollywood entertainment, come like come over. People are coming over in droves, but like anything outside of that. It's like LA is not big in oil and gas, right? So it's like, all right, like you want to work to be an oil and gas maker, you move down to Texas, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's like those are like that's like the realities of the world. Whereas, so like I'm like like if I want to be a suit of uh, any sort, then it's like yeah, I should probably kind of look at, at you know at least spending a couple of years out east because I can always come back to LA, right? So um, ended up applying to schools out out on the east coast and uh, you know, how did you had, think about which schools you applied to? Yeah, man, I, I have. Um, were you, you were you were thinking consulting, right? So were you looking at just like what places? I was thinking consulting. So, uh, I think, yeah, I think I think it's important. Like when you do these chats, and when like when I you know I have the privilege of like talking to people all the time, they always kind of want to ask them, like my insights, my experience. And I think it's 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 incumbent. It's 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 my responsibility to kind of set the stage and making sure that I'm talking like straight math and giving like straight facts in the sense that like. I hate when people like are locking in the stories in in situations that can't be replicated. Yeah. Right. So like, I want to make sure that like, everything I'm telling you or that's being told is something that you can literally kind of like follow the same formula. Yeah. And you can really do it now. It'll, it'll come full circle. When I talk about my experience when I was a banker at Goldman, but nonetheless, um, yeah. So when I was thinking about, the, so when I was in high school, I was a mediocre student. Right. But my job was a year ahead. Like I didn't, like, I kind of clicks now. Right. Yeah, you're, but I was young. Literally, you're, like, you're probably yeah, mature yeah. cause you're a year I was ahead. Mature. Yeah. I was running the streets. I didn't really have much guidance in the house. Like I was like, yeah, but I thought I was old. Cause like there was nobody to report to, but nonetheless, like I had like, um, yeah, low twos, right? And like I got in, when I got into school, it was like through a program that was like, it's for people like, it's a, it's, it was like educational opportunity program, where like we're giving you a chance, like you gotta take these classes, like to, like to get up to speed and like that's the commitment you have to make. I did it and when I went to college, that's when I like, that was my first time seeing academic success. Like li literally, like I just like, it's something that's kind of clicked, right? And it was like, well, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, you did position. real well. You did real well yeah, in college. No, yeah, so like, <laughs> Yeah, man. So like, I, I, I quote unquote, I geeked out. You know, like I had like a three, I had, I had like a three eight uh, when I graduated, or three seven three, whatever the case may be. Double major. I was like president of the anthropology club. You know, like uh, my fraternity, like the highest GPA in, the, in our in our in our region. What do, over... what do you think clicked when you got there? Was it just like, man, like I want, you know, I want to get that job. I want to do well and and land. No, it was nothing like that. No, it was... what, why? Why do you think? No, it was no job. Like undergrad, it was just more so like me applying my, like me, like literally taking the time to study, like legitimately, like, so like my, you know, people say, oh, I didn't really study for my SATs. Like I literally didn't study. Like I like, I mean, like literally, right. So like, that doesn't mean like I'm t encouraging other people to do that. Right. Like my life is my life. There were doors that were opened up for me. And like, I just kind of, I, I always, what I always tell people is like, I got lucky. I was smart. Genuinely, I was a smart kid, but like, I just got lucky. Right. Like I was, sometimes I was in the right place, you know, at the right time, many instances I was like, not in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? Where there are people that were smarter than me that just happened to kind of make the wrong decisions, right? right and it's right. like, there's a little bit of good about that. But nonetheless, uh, no, nah, man, I, I think, I, I remember, I remember, uh, I remember distinctly actually. So to take a step back even further, before I went to Long Beach, I actually went to San Diego State first. So San Diego State was a school I got accepted to. It was like highly coveted among like all the, the Cal States. And it was like, it was impacted. I mean, like it's hard to get into it was like 30,000 students. And I was actually homesick. 
So meaning like I was only there, I went there for summer school. I went there for the fall semester and I went there for like what's called a J term, like the winter session. Yeah. And I was already on my way back to Long Beach. Like I just, because it was such a new environment, like the high school that I went to, 4,200 kids at the high school, literally in a urban area next to like public housing, right? And it was just like, and it was a very different demographic and environment versus San Diego State, which San Diego is beautiful. I want to live in San Diego now. My firm is headquartered there. But like, I want to get a boat and kind of chill, but like, it was a different mindset. So like, when I was at San Diego State, I was just like, I was coming back to Long Beach every weekend, like, because that's what I knew. But the reason why I bring it up is that I remember explicitly, I was like, I was like, I think I was talking to one of my classmates and she said, hey, are you a football player here? I'm like, I'm not a freaking football player. Like, I was tiny then. I wasn't yeah. like, I wasn't even six feet then, right? I'm like, like, no, like, I'm not here because I'm a football player. Like, I'm like, I kind of deserve to be here, although I didn't, but I kind of did, right? And it's like, and I, and, I, and I, you know, that's almost 20 years later. Like, that still resonated with me today. I was like, like she thinks I'm here just because I'm a ball player. So, like, I literally excelled in that summer. Like, that was that summer program going into it. I so got like that, a, you think a, her saying that to you? I think, like, I think, I think, that, I think, I'm here because yeah. I, I can be here. And, and I'm, right. and I'm like producing grades, right? It's like, that yeah. little, like I took two classes. I think one was like economic, like an A and, a and a B plus. And then like, I like excelled when I was there for the fall semester, excelled in the, in the winter session. So when I came back to Long Beach, I was already just like on it. Right. And like, I already just like, I can do this. And um, yeah, I just navigated college very quickly. I think looking back to answer your question, I was talking to my friends about this a couple of days ago, is that it would have benefited me tremendously, maybe to take a year off, not a year off to like go study abroad, you know, take a gap, whatever the case may be, right? Or maybe even like, you know, to be quite candid about it, transfer it to a more competitive school. Because the reality is like, I was like killing it from a GPA perspective, but like, you know, maybe I should have thought about going to like transfer to like a UCLA, right? Or to like yeah, yeah. an Ivy or, or, or like going out East. Or something like that, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? But life is all about exposure. And that, so I wasn't exposed to that. And like, yeah. you know, the guys in my circle didn't have the exposure themselves to say, hey, you're doing so well you should probably kind of like think about doing something different. Like now I'm that guy for a lot of my, my little, my little bros. Like, I'm like, I'm that guy. Like, Hey, you're doing so well. You should think about applying to school. Or you should think about getting an internship when you're in college, as opposed to just getting a job. Like, right. yeah, like I, I paid like the work at the bookstore, whatever the case may be. But like when you get an internship opportunity to like get a career post-graduation and I didn't have that. I, mean, I don't know what your experience was when you graduated from, uh, from college. Nonetheless, I say that, because I just didn't have the exposure. I didn't really have I was that. A, I, was, assistant, I, been, I was an assistant yoga instructor, uh, yoga manager at a studio for my junior year summer. <laughs> well, that, but I, I would actually I appreciate working. that now. I was working. <laughs> I was yeah, but I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't stretch enough now. So, like, I, I, like, I need to, like, I, that's one of the skills. Oh, that teach no, I, I mean, I wasn't doing the actual yoga. I can't even touch my toes. Um, but yeah, like, I, I yeah. was, like, helping run the shop or whatever. Um, that, yeah, but, like, I would have started, like, I would have started, like, some of my friends, like, interning at, like, not, like, friends of friends, like, like, interning at corporations, right? So that yeah. once they, and getting paid well, so then once they graduated, uh, you know, they had a, a job. It's so, like, that's a very East Coast thing, bro. And we talk about that. We go back and forth. We literally were just in this debate. My friends, like, in New York, there are kids that just, like, know about finance. They know about these careers, and they, they see it. after freshman year, man. Exactly, right? And it's just like, and they know it, and they know it about it. Once they're in college, they're like, they're already teed up. They got like, they're, 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 they already have modeling skills. They can show you the DCF model or like the idea that they have. So it's just very different. So, long story short, um, to answer your question, and I know we didn't get distracted, but I was just trying to give you some context. Like, when I was thinking about which B school to go to, I just wanted an MBA. Like, I literally just had this kind of like, I just like, I would have, I would have got an MBA from like any of the Cal State schools or any of the UCs that were you local, ended up right? At, I didn't really, you ended up at a great school. Like, when you, I did. It, you get into other schools and like, yeah, I did. I, I, I did. To to Darden? Yeah, no, I, I did. And so, like, but to the point is, like, I think Reardon really helped me because it shaped me that, hey, 
you have very similar, you have a similar profile to the other kids that are in this program. We've had a, they've had a, tr- a track record, like sitting, not sitting, but like people have gone to the program and have gone to great business school programs as well, right? So like, if I didn't have that exposure, I would have been fully content. And there's nothing wrong with an MBA from one of those schools I described. Like that would have been it for me, right? And it doesn't, um, it doesn't open so up as many doors, to be real, right? It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And so it doesn't, but it's like, in order to know about it, you have to have doors open for you and have it. So it's like a, it's like a vicious cycle, man. You have to have like, oh, it's getting, yeah, you have it's, have, getting it's getting worse because it, the recruiting even younger now out of college. Exactly. So like, well, I think there's I, kids freshman year. I'm like, how are the freshmen supposed to know, like, who don't who aren't fed it from like you know an early age in high school? <laughs> so, dude, so two things. One is that I think I think you know what you're doing. I think this is great because it kind of like breaks down the walls, right? And like in terms of like just having trying. like 14 understand, years, man. fourteen years, yeah. Like Open exposure, yeah. opening up doors, and like it's readily available. And I, in the in the in the, in the conversation I always have is that you know my little ones, their uh, their their mom's from LA. Uh, she's an attorney, right? She went to UCLA, went to Georgetown for law school. Their dad is like went to this school, went to this school, this school was a banker. And like the conversations that they're privy to, it puts them light years ahead of their classmates, right? Like at the dinner table, we're talking about they know what dad does. He's raising capital. Like they know these stuff. Like I didn't know that growing up, right? And so like that's exposure. So when we're talking about like the schools that they want to go to, like my daughter will say she's at, she's in public school now, but her public school, uh, it's, she's in the French program and it's like the, the, the content is 95% French. Right. Cool. If you ask to go to the bathroom, it's like French. Right. Yeah. And so she's like, I want to go to, I want to go to UCLA not because her mom went there because they have a French program and she's eight. But like to, to think about that, it's like, like I wasn't, like, it's just very different. So, um, exposure plays a big difference. So then going back to your question. So when I was deciding between the schools that I got into, you know, obviously I had good insights from like the Reardon folk. There were other programs that I was involved in. There were other people that I kind of like found myself interacting with that were in the business school circle, getting their opinions. And what I will say about business school is that people will tell you that the best, the people will say the best business school is the school that they went to, period. Right? Like, it's like, it's like, it's like literally like they, every school is great. Like legitimately every school is great, but like people are like, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid once you're there, especially. And you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. And this is like the best school ever. Like I wouldn't have gone anywhere else. Like, no, you would have probably gone somewhere else. Had You know, like, but it's like, you decide to go. So like to, to, to answer that, Darden is the best school ever, right? Where I, where I went, but nonetheless, there are great, a bunch of great schools out there. I gave a really strong lift to Cornell. I love, I love Johnson. They had a great culture. Um, I wanted, I was kind of chasing the idea of like a, a, an Ivy League degree. Um, it was in New York. Um, and, but it was just like, it was, it was very remote. Although UVA is very remote too in Charlottesville. The weather's not as bad. <laughs> yeah, weather's not as bad. And it's just like, yeah, I just, I think, I think. No, Darden's yeah, was, great, man. They're both great. You couldn't go wrong with either. either. Yeah, and at the time, you know, I was like, you know, I was, I was, I was in, in dating or not engaged. Like, you know, at, at the time, my, my girlfriend or fiance at the time was like, she was, she had already graduated, or she had already graduated from Georgetown Law. So it was like, it made even more sense to, to go from Charlottesville to D.C. as opposed to go to like Ithaca to D.C., right? When I, on my free nights. Uh, but no, man, I, you know, the Darden, what I appreciated the most about, like, so chose Darden, what I appreciated the most about was like the sense of community, small classes, 300 people. How many was right? like when you're actually flying on the plane going East Coast? And like, yeah, you remember so, that? Like, were you nervous? Or were you like, oh my god? Yeah, I was. I was pretty geek, man. I was. I was excited. It was, um, you know, once I got accepted, once I got my materials and, and so forth. And like, there was a there was an education component to it in terms of me just kind of telling my friends in LA the significance of it. And like, it's a competitive school. Like, you know, beyond rankings, and just like, because in their eyes, and that's like this is what we're exposed to. It's like, why not just go to the 
get an MBA at XYZ University right down the street from us, right? It's like, and you can, but like, to your point, it opens up different doors and you get some very delicate conversation, right? Because like, you don't want to be a jerk by any means. I was just like, it opens up different doors by going there. So like, and everybody oh, you're was like, too super, you're too good for the school. Yeah, yeah. And everybody, and everybody was super appreciative of it. I mean, they were super supportive. And it's like, I went there and it's like, yeah, I flew into, I think I flew in, I didn't fly straight to Charlottesville. Uh, I flew into DC and then we kind of got set on when we drove to Charlottesville. Like I'm getting my, like getting my apartment set up. And, uh, you know, it's just like you're on campus. I don't know if you've ever been to UVA's campus, but uh, Once, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful campus. A very it has a very distinct culture to it, which is like not L.A. culture at all. So like I'm in a polo now. And it's like very like polo boat shoes. And it's like very it's cool. Friendly. Like, you know, like, yeah, blue blazer, gold buttons. And that was a little bit of a culture shock. Right. And, and plus, like, I, you know, it was like it was like a quote unquote, uh, like a, a true university where it's like my time in Long Beach was like more like was more like a commuter experience. I wasn't living on campus, right? So, like, I wasn't fully immersed in the university. I was still back in my neighborhood, too, when I wasn't in campus, right? Like, in Charlottesville, yeah. it was like, everything is, like, the, the, the town is centered around the university, too, which makes it even more, like, prevalent, right? So, um, no, I, you know, I, I knew some people going in, like, you're kind of in your, your networking groups or whatnot, and you get a chance to meet your classmates virtually. And uh, it was a great experience, man. And, like, you know, I, the, the learning team, I guess in terms of making a, the choice, I really appreciated the uh, like the, the case study method versus the the lecture method. So taking a step back, case study method is like, hey, we read a case and like these are like realistic like life situations and you're learning like vicariously through the case itself, right? As opposed to saying, hey, here's this textbook, read problem, do problems one through thirty, which is I mean, I grew up learning that way, right? And like so, you know, Harvard is case method, Darden is case method, uh, Darden kind of prides itself. I, I think it's, it's it may be still the case, and it's always like this inside jokes. Like Darden used to be extremely rigorous, so Darden used to have classes on Saturdays, like literally, right? Yeah. So like literally on Saturdays, and then like the scale down, where it's like, no, we're just only gonna have class Monday through Friday, uh, and it's like you know, like it's so like we will pride ourselves on. We still do this. I know that this is like one tradition that they still hold, like reading a hundred cases by October. Right. So pushing through 100 case studies. Right. Like school starts in August, I guess. And whereas like most schools probably don't get through, you know, 200 cases in a year. Like, but like, it's like you have this 100 case party. It's a big event. Like we pump through 100. Like they like they pride themselves in like the school's kind of taking a step back because at the, like they pride themselves in working really hard yeah. and like, like you earning it. Right. But then the reverse of that is like you end up working so hard and it's hard to get a job because exactly. like, you can't do the recruiting. <laughs> You can't do the recruiting. You can't you do the, the recruiting aspect. And, yeah. yeah. So tell yeah, me, yeah. So tell me so about that. So you get on campus. Is it immediately? Is it like okay? I'm I'm going consult. I'm McKinsey, Bambi's doing these coffee chats. Like or is what's happening? Great problem. Great, great question. I forgot that part. So like all my essays were about consulting. Yeah. Back at that time, Goldman had a program that was it was for people that didn't have finance backgrounds, first generation. It was called um uh, maybe it's like Week on Wall Street. So that wasn't Week on Wall Street. It was um. Uh, we can watch it as a business school thing. It's not, it's not SEO it was, or anything like that. No, it, was, it wasn't that. It was like it was like Goldman Sachs camp. They had a camp. Okay. And what they do is like it's called Goldman Sachs camp. It's a day, and um, they would they would have uh, presenters speak and talk about each division of the firm. Cool. It's, you know, sales and trading, investment banking, investment management, and technology, right? And so they'll go, and it's a room of people that are all getting ready. You know, go to business school within a couple of weeks that are supposed to not like be familiar with finance, right? Like giving them a shot to get, get familiar with it. So long story short, at the time, uh, there was a partner who ended up talking about investment management. And the way that he described it was like, and this is the way I describe it to this day, is like, you have to be good at, 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 you know, good or appreciate three kind of aspects of the job. One is that you have to be a people person. So people have to feel comfortable 
excuse me, being around you and like gravitate towards you and like, you know, just, you know, being able to manage relationships. Two, you need to be extremely commercial, right? So thinking about like, if there's somebody that's selling a business that wants to sell a business, like how do you get in front of them, right? Like there's that commercial kind of entrepreneurial element to it. Mm-hmm. Three is that you have to be market savvy. And I just have an appreciation for capital markets. I didn't have the third one I was going to business school for. But like I had the relationship piece. So I was doing executive coaching. I was doing some stuff in undergrad on the like entrepreneurial sides in terms of like event production and so forth. So I felt like I can kind of like shake and bake with the rest of them. Like cold solution, hand you a, this is, we're really dating ourselves. Like hand you a flyer, right? To come to this event as opposed to like social media kind of broadcasting. But nonetheless, I had two of the three. I was going to business school. I was like, I'm going to get the third one. And I just took a liking to it because it was like, that role within an investment manager was like, hey, you're, you're client facing, you're adding value, you gotta be sophisticated about finance, um, but you're not just like in this bubble or in this cube all day, right? Mm-hmm. So when I came back to campus, or when I came, you know, when I, my first day on campus, that's when I knew I was actually going to invest in management. Like I knew that it was no, like my essays were consulting, but like I was already in. And so I was like, now I'm going to invest in management. Now I gotta like learn about investment management. So like I was like using your site and like, like sites like yours and just like really having an understanding of like, what's out there like what does it look like i think because i didn't know because like i didn't know anybody in that field right besides yeah investment management at a, at a bold investment management at a bold bracket like that tell me like what what specific because it's a, it's a broad term right investment management like great, great. yeah yep, tell me yep, specifically cool, so. what you what you found through that research and kind of what you figured out okay this is what my day-to-day is actually gonna look like. so 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 two things so even before that i think it was like i had a, a, ga- a consulting engagement in new york one of my best friends to this day um who I really got to know when I was going out there. He runs a private equity firm in Florida now. Mm-hmm. And um, he was there. He was an analyst at JP Morgan getting crushed, getting crushed. And we would hang out. I'm out there in New York. Like I had, I was doing my project and like I'm just out there socially on the weekends. He would party with us until like 3 a.m. and literally go to sleep for three hours and then go back to the desk. And, but he was a smart dude, carried himself a kind of way. He's like a banker. And he was like, and we were talking, like one night he had some time, we were just sitting up talking. He's like, he would be a really good banker. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what that means. He's like, yeah, like, get it. Like, you understand finance. Like, like, yeah, like, people just kind of, like, well, I describe people, like, appreciate knowing you. Like, you're very, like, cerebral about things. And you have, like, this consulting kind of mindset. You'll be really good. So, like, I had an idea of investment banking, even going into, like, that Goldman Sachs camp. I just know you work really hard. You get crushed. <laughs> and there's a black car that takes you home. And, like, you go, like, you get in the car. At, at midnight or 2 a.m. every yeah, day. Yeah, you get free lunch. And it's like, oh, this seems pretty cool, man. It's like, I'm like, I'm a gritty dude. Like, I work hard, like, with anybody else. So, um, had that aspect within finance, like investment making. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like investment management, it was just very broad. I didn't know like sales and trading, like they kind of throw that at you too. And like, oh, well, maybe I should be doing sales and trading. Or maybe I should be like a traditional industrials banker. Like maybe like not like media and tech, you know, like maybe I should be a media tech investment maker. Maybe I should be, so I ultimately like, um, ultimately ended up working in private wealth management, right? It's like, oh, you know what? It allows you to work with all those, among all those, across those different industries and those different capacities, but I'm managing relationships, I'm actively trading as well, right? I'm facilitating capital flow uh, for business owners and for those that are, uh, that are, uh, you know, financial sponsors, so like the, the PE shops and the, the VC shops. Well, like, like when, you're, when you're applying to this job, do you know that that's what you're going to be put in? Like, are your clients are going to be PE? Oh, no. I didn't know. You don't know. No, it's a great question. Thank you for level setting with me. No, I just knew that I was going to be a private wealth advisor and the goal was to bring capital in to manage it, right? And to bring relationships like you knew, in. But you knew you were going to be like, you were going to be on the phone talking to clients almost every day. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, I knew, well, I knew that. And then it's so what ends up happening is like, you, like the school didn't even start yet or just started that week. So I knew that going in. And then, you know, the recruiting, this is what the recruiting process is like. Mm-hmm. So you're doing your, your work, you like, take a step back. In business school, this is my, this is my kind of my comment on it. Um, 
there are three main goals, right? One is to get great grades, right? Two is to get a great job. And three is to get, uh, to have great relationships, right? You cannot be effective in all three. Uh, maybe some, there, there are some unicorns in the world that exist. Yeah. I know one or two that exist, but like something has to give, especially at a school like Darden, like you're just like overwhelmed by the work, right? Yeah. So for me, I'm like, well, geez, man, like I already had great grades. Like, you know, I graduated 3A a week after I turned 20, literally a week after I turned yeah, 20, right? And it's just baby. like, you know, I, I, major, like, I already had accolades. Like, I'm going to study hard enough. Like, I'm not going to get one of, like, the prestigious awards that my classmates got, right? Yeah. For me, it was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get a great job, right? Like, I'm going to work at the best firm possible. So that means that, like, whenever they have briefings and so forth, like, I was fully present. Uh, the follow-up requirements were, like, it was, it was cumbersome as well. And the last part is, like, developing great relationships. I think you can do like two of the three really well. Yeah. Um, so I was like, the job was the first, plenty of strong relationships. I wish I would have done a better job with that, even looking back, especially with a lot of my client, my classmates that were uh, international students, right? Because like, there's just like, uh, they're kind of in their own silo too, right? And it's like, there's just so much to learn from them. Like they're e- eager to, to, to be mixed in. And like, I, I couldn't have done a better job and learned a lot from them. But nonetheless, I definitely created some great relationships. And the third was like grades. Like I passed, I graduated, got a degree. It's on the yeah. wall. You know, but like, you know, it's like for me, it was like oh, in the my, job. My, so. I was the same way at Warden. I, I was focusing yeah. almost 100% on like Wall Street Oasis while I was at school. And yeah, like, you get it. I would right? go you... to class. I'd go to class and like it was cool and I was learning and listening, but it wasn't like I was killing myself outside of to prep for the exams or anything like that. It was like I was exactly. just absorbing what I could. Doing it, doing it enough, right? So I was like, yeah. yeah, so like you need to be on the phone with somebody because you know, you're trying to talk to a New York, a New York advisor and he or she only has so much time. Like you're going to make yourself develop. You're going to hop out of your learning team. You're going to hop out of class yeah. and you're going to do, I don't know if that's like, if that's what life is like now. Like, you know, schools kind of change and they try to accommodate the students. I don't know what that's like now. Like, like I said, like the, like the people at Dart, they don't go to school five days a week anymore. Um, so like, I don't know what that looks like, but nonetheless, when, I, when it was my time, like, you know, the job came first. So with my approach to actually securing a role. So I looked at like, Goldman, I looked at JP uh, and was like fully committed to those. I looked at Credit Suisse as well when uh, back then. But all PWM, um, knew, like you knew this was it. All PWM, I looked at JP. I got a lot of traction from JP, real estate investment banking. Mm-hmm. Um, the recruiter was like very friendly with me. Uh, I forgot, I, I know his name, I don't know his name, but he had a French name too. And maybe he thought I was French. My family's from, like I'm from LA, but like from, from, from Louisiana. I don't speak French, my daughter will speak French. I don't speak French, but nonetheless, he took a liking to me. He's like, you should really be a bank, investment banker, like real estate. And it felt great because, like, the thing about, like, like business school is, like, such, like, a mind, like, a mind play. It's just, like, it's somebody giving you a little bit of love. I'm like, yeah, you should do this. And you kind of go, well, who gives you the most love? And I had to really, like, catch myself, like, yeah, man, I can go that route. But the reality is, like, my classmates that are going that route are light years ahead of me in their familiarity with banking. Because a lot of people, what ends up happening is that you'll have a lot of kids in the class that were bankers prior to, and they're trying to upscale in terms of the types of banks that they're working with. Right. So maybe they were a small so you, boutique. You yeah. almost didn't go real estate investment banking because you felt like there was no way. I would get the offer. Yeah, you would get an offer. I would get the full time offer. They would give me a summer. Yeah, right? but then you but might then you might flame out during the summer or whatever. Dude, I was literally doing Excel like this. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah doing I mean, like, yeah. and I hear you. And like, so there was a little bit of that, like, you knew kind of where you were at relative to your peers. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of like, I'm not even going to go there. Although I'll say with associates, they're a little bit more. Um, the analysts, the analysts are like sad. I think, I think, I don't know if this is what you're going to I was like, my analysts are the smartest people I ever worked with. Like, oh, my yeah. analysts, when I was at Goldman, I took my job and done my job extremely, like 
would have been better at it than I am, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. I think there's a little bit of, like, patience and, like, a little bit of a grace that's allotted to, to associates. I don't know if that's what for you're sure, get to. For sure, exactly. Or, like, yeah, especially yeah. technically for people who aren't former bankers. So, like, I feel like people listening that are thinking, oh, man, I'm so far behind on the modeling and all this stuff. Yes, it is, it is a weak point for you. Yeah. If you're a really good leader like you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be a great banker, especially at the seat. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, so that's the thing, right? So, like, so I, I was like, I was, I was still like, I've always been, I was young, but I've always been mature. So like I took, I was able to take a step back and say, look, they're going to hire for this skill set, right? This is one component. This is what you got to do day to day. But like, I knew that, and this was, maybe this is what attracted me to the recruiter. Like I knew I can add the most value if I was like in that VC and DC and like I'm driving business. Right. And like, I'm like literally like orchestrating deals, but like in order to get there, you got to do the, you know, you got at least, at least, at least, at least align yourself with an analyst that can help you. You got to throw it. away so, your uh, mouse a little bit. Like, yeah, right yeah exa- exactly. Right. <laughs> and so mind you, so mind you like to put more things in context. Right. Um, and probably very similar to what's going on in the world now. Like that was 2007, 2008. Oh my God. Right. So like, yeah. So like, so like I was a summer associate in 08. So like I would, I would have had to be, so like opportunities were even more thin. Right. Cause like, so now like it's hyper competitive to get an offer. So like, I, I think I made the best decision in terms of going, uh, traditional private wealth because it, as opposed to like the way that the way you can look at it is like an investment making proper you don't you're not really client facing in my opinion and i you know you can kind of gut check me on this in the audience hand as well is like you're not really client facing to like you're a vp mp right sure. like that's me like you really I mean, you'll, you'll go on the you'll go on the meetings and on stuff the meeting, like that, but you're not saying you're not you're not you're not saying much right you're not like, running like, deals. Unless, yeah you're not right unless, unless you're less unless asked right like yeah. you may, it depends right um but and nothing is absolute. These are kind of like relative statements, right? But then, then within private wealth, you literally own the relationship day one, whatever relationship you bring in, right? So, and I'll talk to people, my first couple of clients, like literally day one, like that's your relationship. And like, you're talking, so like the, the way to think about it is that when I came out of business school and I was an investment advisor in New York, it's like my classes are like, oh, this is the CEO of our company, X, Y, Z. And like, they were kind of kowtow to them, right? And for me, it's like, Give me their email. Let me find their email address. I'm going to cold email them right now. Right? Like, it was like, I didn't, I, it was like, it was my mind was like, it's so distorted there because like everybody is accessible. You think everybody's not, they're not accessible. Like, everybody's a You weren't intimidated. You're not intimidated at all. At all. And so, yeah, like, that was a huge all. advantage for you for PWM because. Yeah, at all. You have to be like, you got to be comfortable just like reaching out. Yeah. And, and mind you, with that said, you know, the business is done. It's purely a relationship business. So I was able to do it. I, you know, it's like, it's hard to be tremendous. You're there for a yeah, decade at Goldman. Yeah, so tell we, me what's going I, on there. <laughs> yeah. So like, so, we'll, we'll go to, so I had a great summer uh, yeah. as a, as a, in business school, came back, got the offer. They wanted me to go to Philadelphia. I'm a huge Eagles fan. Uh, but at that time I was supposed to, I wanted to be in DC. Cause I said, you know, uh, my, the one I was dating at the time was in DC. I wanted to be in DC grow practice. There was a new office, but they weren't established enough. They didn't have enough resources there. So they wanted you to be in Philly and kind of live there for a year. So the DC office was built out. I love, I love the birds, but like, I couldn't do it. Right? I couldn't do Philly. Uh, I couldn't ask, you know, you know, my girlfriend at the time was like, she was, uh, she was licensed to practice in DC by being barred in California. So she would have to take the, the, the PA, yeah, the PA bar. Like, yeah. So like, I didn't want to do it. So, um, you know, uh, the partner in New York who ran the program was like, Hey, you know, you should think about working. Like you can work in New York. You can work back in LA. I knew I didn't want to do it in LA. I didn't have any relationships that were going to benefit me in LA. I yeah. wanted to be in New York. I wanted to be, to say that I worked on Wall Street, or at least be East Coast, kind of going back to that point, right? Of course, yeah. So he gave me an opportunity to come to New York. Like, I never I never lived in New York, didn't have any relationships, didn't go to school, any schools in New York, right? Yeah. Um, didn't work to any firms there. And the only thing I had, the only thing they, they gave me great training, for sure. But like, 
what they end up giving you is a desk and a business card, and they tell you to go rock out, right? And so, um, there's oh, okay. tell me about the pay, tell me about the pay jump too. Yeah, 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 yeah. oh, yo, not the baller, man. So like back then, it was like I was so like I think when I when I left consulting, I think it was like I was doing like by the time I left, I was trying like doing fifty five. I don't even think I hit sixty, but nonetheless, mind you, like mind you, to put things in perspective though, right? Like at that time, even with, from when I first got my first job at thirty thousand, like my parents didn't make more than like collectively the household was probably like forty, right? Or really like because my mom, like she was the main income, she probably made twenty eight, right? So like I was already up when I graduated, right? Yeah. And then, like when I was consulting, like I'm like now I got a business card, so, like I'm up even more than like anyway. So when I came out of business school, what was our contracts back then? It was um maybe it was like a hundred base and like. 50 bonus, 50, like, I saw 50 in a check. I'm like, dude, this is like, this is incredible, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm never like a signer of 50, whatever. It was like, it was some number, maybe I, after tax was 30, whatever the case may be. And like, I'm like, this is nuts, right? Like, I'm never like, mine just more than like my household. Like, this is crazy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so like the math was like, I think it was like 150 all in. This is back in 09. Yeah, yeah. That was like standard across the street, The fact right? that you had a job in 09 coming out of business school is pretty good. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> a fact. So mind you, you gotta you gotta be mindful. Like I saw, like I was a summer associate, had a great summer, and you typically when you're a summer associate, you get your offer like indications like two weeks after, right? Like you just know like they're like hey or like, like even like the day you like, you kind of shake hands like good, uh, look forward to seeing you this fall. I mean next fall, next year, right in the fall like, after you graduate, right? Like you know you're getting an offer. Everybody was silent and nobody could say anything. And like you know the HR recruiters were changing because like some of them were losing their job. You know it was just a very crazy place. Yeah. In the fall of 08, right? I saw the stock price go down to 60 bucks. I think it was like 160 before then, right? It's like the world was literally falling apart. And here I am looking for an offer. I'm like, well, I need to probably start looking at backup firms because they haven't conveyed to me if I'm going to get an offer. They're trying to keep us at bay. Like, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, like stick with us. And like the other firms that I didn't take an offer from, they're reaching out and they're like, they're engaging me a bit. Like, hey, you should think about working with us. You didn't summer with us, but we'd love to have you. Yeah. So I waited, got the offer, came back. And, uh, you know, the math worked out well. I was very pleased by having an offer, you know, and it's like, one of my friends was saying, like, yeah, like, they just don't give jobs away in a recession. You know, like, this like, there's not like, hey, because you're a neighborhood kid, let's give you this job. Like, no, you got to earn, like, you literally got to earn it because everybody's losing their, everybody's so losing how their did seat. you do like, that over the summer? How do you think you got that return offer in such a horrible year? The worst possible year to graduate. Yeah, I was, um. <laughs> the worst summer. I mean, because, like, I, I'm surprised they didn't rescind a lot of offers, right? So, yeah, like, summer, so, so I, 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 even to this day, man, I think I never worked harder in my life than I did when I, um, when I was a summer associate. Because what ends up happening is that you can't really do too much, especially within investment management. Like you're like you're not licensed, so you can't trade, right? So like you're at the desk, you're like helping building models and like building decks or whatnot. And like there's a lot of training throughout the day. And then at night in the morning, like you're reading up on the markets because you're getting grilled all the time. Like you're having like these open meetings where like there's like tell me what you're in the training, right? Like you're like on the spot and like you gotta be comfortable. Like I I got that because I was a dark case method. Like we kind of got that part, right? But um, yeah, like, you're just exhausted because like you always have to be on, like you're always selling yourself. You can't really be comfortable, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like by the time I got home, bro, I was just I was done. Like I just you know I gritted it out. I was sharp. Um, I made tons of great relationships. Even through the recruiting process, I had tons of great relationships at those firms, mm-hmm. and I did. And I pride myself on this to this day. I did a, a tremendous job in terms of following up, mm-hmm. and did this concept called and I want to get back to. I won't distract us, but there's this concept called triangulation that was taught to me. I was already doing it. it's like. Hey, you know, you introduced Pat, you introduced me to one of your friends that's in the Bay. And you say, hey, Pierre, you should really talk to this person. We'll call him Rob. You should really talk to Rob. I reach out to Rob, have a great conversation. We're talking about whatever business topic. What I'll do from there, I'll ask Rob, like, hey, Rob, are there two to three other people that I should chat with that you think will be a good fit, right? Rob will introduce me to two or, two or three other people. 
I come back to you and say, hey, Pat, had a great conversation with Rob. We talked about X, Y, and Z. He also introduced me to two to three other people, right? I reach out to the two to three other people, have a great conversation with them, go back to Rob and say, hey, Rob, talk to the two to three other people. We had a great conversation. These are the things we talked about. Come back to you like, hey, Pat, had those conversations with the two to three other people. Things are going well. This is how I'm progressing, right? And so like by the time when those two to three people talk to Rob, there's already that connection. Like, oh yeah, Pierre told me the conversation was great. Or by the time that Rob chats with you, like you know that I chatted with Rob, you know I chatted with two to other three people and they're like, it keeps my name top of mind, right? I'm not asking more time from you, right? It's like, hey, I'm just, you're just like, keeping them short updated. Note. Yeah, short note, like hope you're well, happy holidays, whatever, like this is what I'm doing. I'll keep you posted and let you know like how the internships are working out. So anyways, by the time I have, this is, this is what I uh, should mention, by the time I actually did my interview for Goldman, my official, like, so you, you do your preliminaries, like your, uh, like it's like a, a, a hour meeting or whatever. And you have your, your on-campus, excuse me, on-campus interviews. Like mm-hmm. you're sitting in a room and you're like, they're long with interviews. By the time I had my on-campus interviews, it was like me kind of like this, like, like this chopping it up with guys I already knew, right? Because like I was already in cadence with them and I, I put so much effort on the front end. Like I wasn't really focused on school as much as I should have. Yeah. Where like they already knew me. I'm talking about like, not necessarily their family, but like, yeah, their family. Like, yeah, like what are you doing? Like how's, how's X, Y, and Z going? And I'm building off of every story too. Like I've always right. done a great job of that. So like I knew the business because I was like leveraging their story. So then by the time I interviewed, it was like, it was more of a conversation. Yeah, um, you, were, you were talking about, oh, well, Rob told me this and I know you guys yeah. do that. And so you're able yeah, to kind of pull a, from all those conversations rather than it being like, they're grilling you on the markets necessarily. And as opposed to me coming in and say, tell me about, like, tell me about your job, right? Like I want to learn about, it's like, no, like you got to put, forth the effort so, so one, that, one, that means one when you were getting that you did that so when you said the on-campus interviews are you talking about when you first got on a campus you were like networking right away with all these people or yeah, yeah, was, yeah network yeah so you reach out to people like hey i'm interested and so i, I literally just made a note to myself this one to talk about so triangulation is one kind of like nugget that's worth like keeping in mind the other words this concept of having like safe stories or safe conversations and what that means is that when you approach whether you're on campus whatever you're looking for a job so my this is my process I didn't know much about finance, right? It didn't make sense for me to talk directly with an MD or a group lead, right? It just doesn't. Like, it's great. It sounds cool. Like, oh, I chatted with, like, you're talking to your classics. Everybody's, like, hyper competitive to get a job. Like, I talked to this MD. Like, I'm good. Like, I would have messed up, right? So, for me, it was, like, I want to have a safe conversation. So, the first thing I did was actually I talked to my classmates, same year as me, that worked in investment management before going into business school. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the experience. Let me ask all the, quote, unquote, dumb questions now and kind of, like, get a, yeah. Get a cadence going, right? Yeah. Then I scaled up and I talked to the second years, the people that have already that just summered or maybe they worked in the prior to, mm-hmm. had those conversations, right? Then talked to the people that recently graduated from Darden. And these are Darden people, right? So like they have some affinity to me. They're going to listen to me, right? Yeah. And they're going to show me a little bit of love, a little bit of grace, right? And they kind of worked my way up within the Darden pipeline. Then I'm like, once I kind of worked my way up to Darden, I started branching out. And you can talk to v- VPs of other groups, I mean, of other schools, right? Yeah. But they already have this cadence and like this, like this skill set, this knowledge base that's structured. And I have the stories that I can leverage and I'm triangulating at the same time. Talk, when so you say stories you can leverage, tell the listeners what you mean by that. I, just like you have a, a more fine-tuned understanding of the business, right? The nuances, like in terms of, um, this so one of the questions, like, how are you going to go about building your business? And it's not, it's not elementary. Like, you have to be really thoughtful about it. So like you have to say, like, I can't say that, hey, be in New York, that I want to cover... Although I worked in oil and gas, I want to cover oil and gas bankers. Like there's not a big population of oil and gas wealth in New York City, right? So like the story has to align with the market that you're having. That you're so in. when did you when and did you actually know to like say when they would ask you those questions? When did you have a good answer to that? 
they, they would allude that you have to have a business plan, but then, so I start, I was, I was concurrently creating my quote unquote business plan as I was going, right. Knowing that I was going to have to have one at some yeah. point. This brings um, me back to it, what you said around they, when they bring you in full time, they just give you a phone and a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you just rock out. It's like you, you, have, you have to do your thing. Tell the listeners, yeah. what does that mean? Like, who are you calling? How do they, are they giving you numbers? What, what the no, heck no, is they don't give you anything. Yeah, they don't give you anything. There's no role. There's no, there's, there's no list of numbers to call. It literally is. You just got the business card with look, the, the good name on yeah, it. Yeah. You're looking through the paper. You're looking for deals that have been done. You're looking for the top 50 real estate developers, top 50 hedge fund managers, top hundred. And you're calling on them. Every other firm is calling them on them. Your colleague who's right next to you is calling on them as well. And you're just trying to insert yourself in the relationship. So, uh, and it's like, for me, like, started thinking through what's my background and what market makes the most sense. I'm like, well, I covered work consulting, maybe like corporate executives. Like, you know, there's like, there's some stock value that needs to be managed and so forth. They can bring that over. Um, you know, I did a little bit of media and tech uh, consult when I was in, like I covered that industry. So maybe I'll talk to the media, like media is present in, in New York. So maybe I can do a little bit of that. Um, there's like a, a strong intermediary network that's getting introduced. Like, but you literally, so you have to be mindful of the audience and like the, the market that you're in. So like energy banking wouldn't make sense, right? Like, or any other kind of like, unique or nuanced industry yeah. it, it doesn't make sense it has to be like prevalent so it has to be a viable business yeah. right so like enough enough like, a, big, a big enough market wherever you're at to to actually generate the revenue that you need to support yourself. yeah so you, you got you just got to be you just got to be thoughtful you got to understand the space that you're so, playing like, how in do you, like, coming from no backgrounds no connections i mean yeah you had some connections within the firm and some a little bit across wall street but how did you come in yeah. there and how did you like what was this business plan give me a little taste of it yeah, so for me, it was like literally it was media tech, corporate executives, leveraging yeah. intermediaries, so like attorneys. And so I knew a little bit of that community. Were you just trying to get well. them to bring their money over to Goldman? Yeah, so the goal was like literally to bring their to bring their money over or to bring their interest in raising capital, like going IPO and whatever the case, to make sure that they do it through Goldman. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so like once they, once they, once they cashed out and took risk off the table, then I would be there to manage the money as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So my approach there was I ended up covering a bunch of smaller firms, calling on like a bunch of, uh, early revenue, like early revenue, like the companies that were probably doing like 10, $30 million in revenue, yeah. they weren't viable clients, right? Like you go to an IPO, you need a couple more zeros behind you, yeah. right? And they didn't have much liquidity to be managed, but I would treat them like as if they were a $300 million client. Yeah. And I would do all the heck, cause I had, I had time, right? And I would treat them and like I was investing in their business, their success. And what ended up happening, why, I'm, why and how it carries over to what I'm doing now is that I created so many like, so many uh, relationships with middle market bankers because they weren't big enough for Goldman, but I was giving those guys deal flow. Right, because yeah. like I'm like okay, like go we can't do it, but like you can transact. You're probably like you can transact for them. So I created a, a strong network in that space, and then like in those instances, like those guys had their balance and girls had their balance sheets that needed to be managed as well. So I was doing that for them. But uh, yeah, man, I was calling anybody and everybody, and it was like literally banging my head against the wall. Uh, I would not recommend that approach to um, to the population. Uh, it, it it can be done. Um, what do you recommend? What do you recommend? I mean, is it was it unfair to expect success from a kid that had no background in finance except for the MBA, and just giving you a phone and a business card, or is that kind yeah? Of no, so, 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 so this, I was talking to one of my good friends. He was a uh, he was in a because you a you were there for ten years, man. I mean, so like, yeah, tell me about the progression. No, was, like the first couple years were brutal. Yeah, it was painful. Yeah, all, I would say, no. All eight of the ten were painful. It was painful because that business is is based on having relationships, right? 
and the harsh realities of the world, and this is about like, what can you replicate? People like to do business with people that are like them. That went to the same school, like, oh, West Coast guys are like, hey, you're a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a boss, you're a boss. Like, yeah. It's like, if you're not of that world or that environment, it's not, it's not impossible. There's a difference between what's possible and what's probable, right? Yeah. Everything is possible, right? What's probable is a bit more challenging, right? And, and, and to put the cards on the table, and my, my, my friend would appreciate it, we literally had this conversation last night, I think in that space, private wealth, high net worth, it's hard for a kid who grew up with minimal means, extremely poor, mm -hmm. to be successful in that business because at the end of the day, when you're talking to these clients, like they didn't necessarily grow up like that. Not, not some have, like these are like, you know, these aren't absolutes, but the majority of them didn't, right? And like right. their interests won't necessarily align with how you grew I didn't know anything about question writing when I was a kid. Right? I know about a question writing now, right? <laughs> I, didn't think anything, I, didn't know, I didn't know anything about role. Yeah, golf. Yeah, I didn't know anything about rowing crew as a kid. Like now, like yeah, it's the competitive. This the cat washing the cat. Squash, line. squash, crew, Dude. equestrian. Yeah, yeah. you're Bro, like shit. You I gotta go play squash. Yeah, the guy behind me. It, 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 you, you know, he was a. Uh, he was actually. It was crazy because like there's there's a little bit of like the the like the, the ethnicity racial demographic too. But he was a, a person of color. He was a, he was a rock star squash, right? But he grew up in the East Coast, went to all the boarding schools, and right. like like that. He's at the, he's at the club, you know. Like it's like that's a very different environment than how, how totally I grew up, right? So like totally different. Yeah, so it's like it's not it's not like so there's probable versus possible. So like, uh, like, like probability versus a possibility. So like it's possible to be like, but the probability of like, like not having those means and like not having those shared experiences make it challenging because at the end of the day, people want to give business to people that are like them, that are like, that they see them at the club or that, hey, how, where did you spend your weekend, right? Oh, I was on the yeah. boat or I was out east. And like that wasn't totally, necessarily I get it. I, I, it yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. They want to be able to connect with their advisor or whatever. So tell me about like, so exactly. your, your progression, like it sounds like the first couple of years probably were brutal, like bringing in very little. It was all cold calling. And like the cold, if you look at, if you ask somebody like a uh, successful advisor, like how they get their book of business, I was, it's not going to meet the cold calling. Right. Yeah. It's like it's not, you know, 95 percent. It's like 98 percent, like the people that they already knew getting introduced to a family friend, an old colleague, old classmate and what and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the only lever I had was to like bang my head against the wall. And so like the reason why I'm adamant about like tell stories that can be replicated, because I remember sitting in the room, I'm like two to three years in. I brought in some business, uh, not enough. I, I probably brought in a little bit of business, but like, everybody's like chomping at the bit. Right. And one of these guys that was at the firm, he was getting touted like like everybody was a fan of because he was bringing a business. And I'm like, I'm in a meeting. It's like all the new associates. I'm like, look, and then they were like, you know, bragging about this guy's win because they want to encourage you to keep doing it. I get it, right? They want to encourage you to keep trying and like trying to win business. And I was like, I was frustrated because working plenty of weekends, like trying to get my list together to cold call and whatnot. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, person X Y Z, you tell us about the deal you won. That's great. Congrats. High five. I'm like, you know what? Like, let's dig a little bit deeper. Like, how'd you get the win? Right, like, and I, I wasn't being a jerk about it, but like, how? Because I, I want to be able to replicate, it. like, like I'm banging my head against the wall. Yeah. And nobody's. And what, what did he? What did he or she say? Dude, but you got to remember, like, so this is like, this is like, oh nine, twenty ten. People hated Wall Street. They yeah. hated banks then, right? You're like, so I'm calling like, and like Goldman has a name, like, it was like people hated all bankers, like they hated Wall Street, right? There was yeah. like this saying about it, and he was like, oh well. I got it from, you know, it was like my uncle that wired in $15 million. I was like, I don't freaking have an uncle that has $15 million, right? And it's like, and I said that, I was like, yo, I was like, I, I told the woman that was on the program, I was like, it's important to tell stories that can be replicated, right? Because like, if, I'm, if, I, if a guy is out there banging, making more calls, or maybe he called the right person where I didn't make the call, that's the one thing I can replicate. But I can't, like, the, the familial affinity connection, like, I just can't, right? Like, it just yeah, it doesn't fit. 
yeah. It doesn't benefit me in that in that space, right? So mm-hmm. I think having a fine understanding of that, and once again, it's not discouraged. Like it doesn't mean that it's so not do you, possible. Do you, do you regret kind of going PWM right out of school instead of doing the banking? I, no, no, I loved it. I mean, it was like I loved it to the extent. I mean, I loved I loved the ability. To, like my first client, one of my first big clients was a founder of a publicly traded company, right? Great guy, ex McKinsey, super cerebral, like super smart. He was actually very patient with me because, like, he was like, he was like, he like, he was like, he knew everything, right? Yeah. And um, you know, cold call got him in and whatnot. And he was the founder of a public trading company. They had like four thousand, five thousand employees. And he would call the desk and he would say, "Is Pierre there?" Right. And mind you, I was like, I was partnered up with people that were like 20, 30 years my senior, and that was my guy. And I had his twenty million dollars, right? He would mm-hmm. call me for market advice. I report to him. I was like, I, I, I pride myself on being like white glove service, like high touch, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and we just had a great relationship. And it was like it was something cool about the fact, like this is my guy. I'm still twenty, mid twenties, or you know, late twenty, whatever the case may be. It's like this is my guy, and he's talking to me. I'm just a neighborhood kid from Long Beach, right? And it's like, yeah. but like at the end of the day, I'm offering value. Now, mind you, we didn't have, and he was. And what was cool about him is that he was a uh, he was, he was actually from another country, he was international. And it's so like, he didn't, he didn't have, he was anchored into like on the wealthy U.S. wealth experience. Like he didn't grow up playing crew. It was just like, there's no preconceived notions. Yeah. 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 He just kind of he made it. He worked really hard, created this business. And like, so he, like maybe he appreciated that a little bit of that grit within me. Right. And that's why he gave me business. But the reason why I bring it up is that I'm able to interface with these people. Whereas my classes that graduated are still like, they're still not talking in meetings, legitimately, right? Like, so I'm talking to their CEOs and like literally trying to manage their assets. So it didn't happen as fast. I think if anything, I would have changed. I would have wished I was like related to more wealthy people, right? Or, 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 or yeah, just like period, right? But, like, that's awesome. I, 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 if I could change anything, yeah. I'd be related to more wealthy people. Yeah, that's yeah, a very like, good point for PWM. I could see how that'd be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, man. It's like, it's like, it's, I get it. Like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want, nobody wants to, I don't want, I don't want to anchor it on that part of life, but like, that's the reality of it. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. once again, you can be successful, like having, and, and, and mean, the concept of having means is all relative. Right. And it's like, well, I wasn't extremely wealthy. I didn't have a butler, but yeah, but maybe like if your dad was a CEO of XYZ company and his friends are CEOs of those companies, they're going to give you a look. They should. Right. Like yeah. I live my life in this capacity right now for my kids to have those same kind of looks. Like that's everything I'm doing is for their benefit, right? Yeah. Um, so that they can have those relationships and those experiences. So long story short, man, I, it was the ability to like, so I don't regret it. It's like the relationships that I established in terms of the clients that I covered, all the middle market bankers that I gave business to. Mm-hmm. So think about this, right? I was young 20s or mid 20s, young guy, but I was giving other people, adults, business. I was like, here, here's a business that Goldman can't cover, that we can't transact on. I'm going to give it to you. You can do the deal on it. So they loved me. Oh, I, have, I had tons of friends, you know, when I was 27, 28, they were like 50. They were my friends. We would go out, uh, we would drink and go smoke cigar. And like, they loved me because I was giving them business, right? And it was just yeah. like, and they were like, and I, you know, and they, they, would, they would try to introduce me to business as well. Uh, but like, so I was able to bring those relationships to bear in my current role. But nonetheless, it was a great ride, man. I learned a lot, you know, helped them create um, what's like their sports entertainment group now that exists at Goldman. Um, I did it literally like, and they're like, bootstrap like nobody like the firm the firm met me they met me along the way in many respects they would give you business and they were supportive and they definitely were more patient with me given that they knew i just i didn't have that background right yeah um but they knew like i was out there making calls and sending emails and like creating relationships so it can be done it's just exhausting yeah how many how many calls do you think you're doing a week on average uh 20 30 calls at least 
Oh, more than that. Yeah, you were banging like thirty in a day. Yeah, oh my God. you do like. I was. I was. I, I, ended, up, I ended up pivoting like. I, I had a couple more years. emails. Yeah, no, I still. But it. But, and, and so just being like, I don't want to. I don't want to like you know find myself in the wrong thing. It's like the last four four years. Like you've established such a book of business that yeah. now you're getting inflows, right? So you may not have the wealthy family, but now you have a client that's introducing you to more clients, right? right, right. So like that that helps. So it starts building on its own. Like you shouldn't be cold. Like you don't have to. That's the thing. Like you shouldn't be cold calling like past five years. But it, it's it's something to be said with the very people that were doing it still, right? Because like they still wanted to like identify new business that's out there. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, that's yeah, the thing. So that's like, what they say with PWM or like any sort of asset management role, right? Eventually it, it becomes very lucrative because it's just, you're building those bricks, right? It takes a long time to get one, but as you build yep. it, you usually keep the clients for a long time, right? You do, you do. They stick yeah. with you. It's very sticky. It's not yeah. like, it's not one off transactions, like clients with you for years, you get integrated in their lives and, um, you know, they get integrated. So, why, in so tell me why, why leave kind of like, was it just like the grind was just, it was too yeah, much. Yeah, I was, bur- I was burnt out, man. I wasn't, um, and when I was there, I wasn't my full self there as well. It was hard to bring my full self to work, mm-hmm. given that my full self to work at work. I think corporations are a little bit more open given like everything that's going on in the world. Right. In terms of like being more embracing. But at that time, you know, at the end of the day, people were like, how are you spending your, like, this is a very New York question, especially when you have kids. Like, you know, what are, they, what, are they, what are you and the kids doing for the summer? Like, how are you spending your summer? And it's like, so it's that's implied. so New York. Going out, that's so yeah, New York. You're going out east, you're going out to your vacation home, which is cool. Like, that's the life that I want my kids. Like, what if you don't have the means to do that? Right? And it's like, it's, it's just, so it's just a very different world. So, like, I wasn't. I, you're like, we're hanging out in our apartment. Literally. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You're going you're gonna to be in the, you're going to be in a city hanging out? Was, like, yeah. yeah like, Even as an I, analyst, I, I, there was that pressure, man. I was, yeah. when I was an analyst in IB, I was like, well, they're like, you're going to go to the Hampton. I'm like, what? Like, no, I can't yeah. afford like, <laughs> like, my yeah, mom, like I'm paying, oh, dad to cut me off after college, you know? So it's like, <laughs> dude, like I'm like, I'm paying enough to live in a city, which is another issue. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not living like I'm living in a city right across the street from the office. Like, yeah, no, I'm going to enjoy this, the city. Like, it's just like, I'm not, we're not going out east. Like, we're not, we're not doing that. So, like, yeah, fair. It, it got exhausted. It became exhausting to, like, kind of, like, to have that shock and awe factor and, like, kind of manage the egos of the people that I'm chatting with. Because it was, like, that just wasn't a world that they were, like, they're literally, like, you're not going out east. Or, like, you live down here in Battery Park. Your kids are not, your kids are going to school down here. I'm like, yeah. It's, like, there's nothing but bankers, attorneys, and nannies down here. Like, of course, like, it's, like, it's a great area to be in. You know, it's, like, you're not going to fight. Like, no, like, I pay so much rent when keep them down here but um long story short man like i it was uh i think i was like i was just burnt out one time back to la we, and the firm kind of just parted ways so i ended up working for a small regional bank up in california and you know they they brought me over and said like hey we want you to bring that new york pedigree out here i really want you to like to grow our business right in terms of extending capital extending balance sheet to financial services professionals and small businesses out here and, you know, the, 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 didn't know much about the firm, knew I wanted to be in, in, back in L.A., um, both sides of, the, of my kids. The grandparents are in L.A. as well. So, like, there's, like, that part of, like, being in New York. Like, we love our nan- our old nanny. She's still family to this day, but, like, there's not that support system, yeah. right? So, um, it was just, like I said, it became very overwhelming. So, it was, a, it was a life business decision. But getting up doing that for a while at bank, and, you know, they they weren't extending capital to the extent that I had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um and so, which makes it hard because you're doing biz dev, like the only way you really eat you're doing is biz you're, dev, and you're doing biz dev and then they're saying no. There's no product. There's, there's, yeah, there's no product really, right? So yeah. um, it was challenging. I thought they, I thought as a smaller bank that they would be a bit more flexible, right? Because I'm coming from like the Goldman handcuffs, like everything like is so like, you too know, small, compliant. Too small, do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, and it's like, Goldman just doesn't want to touch words. I thought like at Bank of California, like, we can do tons of deals and we couldn't really get deals done. So um, 
that 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 ended quickly. Then I ended up doing like some product work for a bunch of people, a bunch of, a bunch of private equity firms, helping them raise capital. Then doing business, like identifying acquisition targets for them, fund structuring and helping them identify acquisition targets. And then I ultimately came across um, the role that I'm in now, Power Digital. And it's like this crazy agency um, that's been around for eight years, based in San Diego. So like I'm back in San Diego. Uh, you know, not at San Diego State, but I'm back in San Diego. Tons of San Diego State alums. And um, full service digital marketing, 210 people. We are private equity back ourselves, right? Uh, but what's unique about it is we do like pay search, you know, PR, uh, anything you can think of within the realm of social media, right? Yeah. Or digital marketing, I should say. Yeah. Um, but what's unique is that we have this machine AI, this diligence tech called Nova. And what it does is it literally latches on to a company's um, analytics. So like Google Analytics, Google Ads, Shopify, Amazon. Everything so on their digital thing everything. brings yeah. it together. Yeah. It brings it together. It analyzes all machine AI. It's been around for seven years. And what it does is it'll assign a score to that company. It's like, hey, you score 180 out of 220. We can show you how to get to 200 out of 220, right? Yes. That's great. Digital market optimization, that's cool. The big kicker for like a bunch of my friends who play this game called Spades, like the big joker, which is like relevant space, like is that it allows you to forecast revenue growth with 90% accuracy over that same time period. So the group that I run, I'm, I, I, I head up our, uh, our private equity venture capital division. So all we do is that we insert our, our diligence tech, it's called Nova, within the journey of a PE or VC's diligence process. So they're looking at operations, balance sheet, logistics, maybe some headcount stuff. We're purely coming in and looking at digital marketing and say, hey, you're thinking about buying this company. Either you're pre-LOI, you're in LOI, you're thinking about buying this company. This is what the investment will be required from a digital marketing perspective for it to grow. But more importantly, this is the revenue uptick that you're going to get. So we can, we're able to calculate that ROAS number with 90% accuracy. So it's beneficial to that extent. Then on the other end, it's like, these are companies that are already within your portfolio. But does this, this only work show, for digital companies? Or does this work for no, it's like a lot of the B2, B2, through? Exactly. So, so B2B is top of funnel, right? So B2B is like, yeah. how do we get eyeballs, ears, and feet like, to the business? And then like we can get to the bottom. It's all about conversion. We track it down. So we do B2B, uh, e-commerce, okay. we'll okay. D2C. Yeah, everything, right? The, sci like the, the science is impeccable. So like the, well, the job itself is a mixture of, so my day-to-day, -day, what I was getting at is that all I do is talk to growth investors, uh, BCP, like the biggest firms on the street, right? Um, and I help them in incorporate our diligence tech as a part of their process. And now the conversation is different in the sense like, it's not like, hey, give me money to, to manage or give me an opportunity to manage or the firm to manage. It's like, I can show you how to make money. I can literally show you how to go from $10 million on your portco and revenue to $20 million in a six-month window. Yeah. Back by night, like night, back by science, ninety percent accurate. Like literally, we can show you that, right? So the, so the, the, the conversations are, are are a bit more readily received, I guess, because like I'm now coming to guys and helping them make money, and it's cool, man, because it's a mixture of of, of finance or finance for those in New York, finance tech, <laughs> finance tech and uh, digital marketing, right? And like I always wanted to get in tech. All my friends are like working at the Googles of the world. Their t-shirt culture, right? And like, and, like get free lunch, it's t-shirt, it's fun, right? You yeah. get paid well to work there. Um, but then it allowed me to still be within finance and like to really like to, to leverage those relationships that I've already created when I was a, a banker at Goldman. So um, it's a great seat, man. We're adding a lot of value. We're helping a lot of small portfolio companies like seed stage. I'm really more like serious A stage companies grow on yeah. the VC side. We're helping investors be smarter in terms of the investment decisions that they make in terms of the companies that they buy. Right. Um, and it's just been a great seat. It's been a great seat. That's Young awesome. firm. Uh, as I mentioned, we're private equity backed. Uh, we think that there's like there's some tremendous opportunity for us to transact in the future in terms of us, you know, like we're a perfect fit, like a tech-enabled consulting firm. So I'm maybe coming back full circle to like the consulting world, right? How, did you, yeah. like, how did you how did yeah. you think about um, 
jumping to like taking that that firm was yeah, it a point I, where like you had left the bank of california and you're like hey i just need to get you know get something yeah like, well i was still no, i was no i was working in private equity. i was doing deals doing like, I was doing deal. yeah i was doing deals for yeah i was good yeah i was doing deals i mean i was i was in w2 right but i was i was, I, yeah, I was yeah. producing income I was good um but no like i saw the role and it was literally it was a new group so the firm has been around for eight years the technology has been around for seven years uh, the division wasn't established. They were doing, they were like working with some, some P and VC firms like loosely, but our private equity spot was like, Hey, this is like phenomenal tech billionaire idea. Like you should roll it out to the streets. So they were explicitly hiring for somebody to drive, to create this business, P and L responsibility and so forth. And I saw, I was like, this is perfect. Right. And so like, I was debating between that and like, does sound perfect the, for you. So what's the, yeah, go, <laughs> it sounds like I'm tailor made for you. Cause you had a lot of those relationships too. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely bringing all of them to bear, and like, it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a customer base that I know, right? So, but I was thinking about doing that and like going back to like private wealth management, and like I was, I was kind of over that, right? And it's just like yeah. it was like they got ten years. I did ten years of service, yeah. uh, you know, respectfully to the to the servicemen and women in this country. But like, I did ten years, of, you know, on the street in New York City proper, and I got tired of like trying to create relationships that it just it just i want to be i was i'm a little bit older at that time i like, worked fully myself at a firm and like to really just like to enjoy where i was working like i had great tons of great experiences when i was in new york but at the same time it just wasn't you know it, it just it, it was it was i have probably have more grades now uh because of that not as many COVID. as me well yeah i gotta cut it down but quarantine is definitely even more grace but uh, no it's just like it's a perfect seat people that work so we're from a 230 I'm probably the top 10 in terms of the older guys there, right? And, but, uh, you know, yeah, the person, the, the, the president that reports is like two years older than me. The CEO is like five years younger than me. Great culture. It's cool, man. It's all fun. It's like brilliant people, people that are, were as brilliant as, as, as my colleagues at Goldman, but they're just like brilliant about like digital marketing, yeah. right? So it's a new language. And what I'm doing is, this is, the, this is the cool part too, actually. What I'm doing is like, I'm literally bridging the gap between finance and digital marketing. Because what happens in for the finance folks is that we think of marketing as an expense, right? Period, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, and I'm like fully drinking a Kool-Aid, like I'm like, like baptized in the sauce, like it really is a revenue driver. Mm-hmm. It really, it really is a revenue driver. So like now, like, so my sales cycle, my like biz dev process is a little bit slower because like the PEVC folks don't get it necessarily immediately mm-hmm. because they've been doing deals and they'll continue to do deals without this tech that we have, right? Yeah. But now it's like me kind of like telling like, like, let me show you what it does, right? And let me show you how we can accurately forecast revenue. Let me show you when we did it, like the growth potential that you have, like your forecast. And for those that get it, we all on board, they love it. So um, it's been a great ride. You know, it's one of the first, like, you know, if you think about my career, I like, kind of went through the full uh, spectrum of it. It literally is the best place I can ever be. Like it just in terms of like the people that I work with, the the, the software, the tech. Can you, can you talk yeah. to me about like lifestyle, the difference between lifestyle? Obviously it sounds like you're a lot more motivated, rejuvenated. You feel yeah. good. But tell me about like lifestyle wise. Yeah, like I want, yeah, I want, yeah. Before yeah, then- life, life, lifestyle is it's 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 hard too because like we're talking about within a COVID environment. So like it's just really, really weird, right? Like yeah. I think everybody is working harder now totally. um, remotely than you would be if you were in the office. Because like work never stops. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like, we're talking. Off. Yeah. I've been talking to associates in banking. They're just getting completely murdered. It's like, well, they're not going out to dinner. They're not going out. You're not going out. You're not, you're not doing a client dinner. Right. Like, you're like, you're on your couch. Or maybe you move from your dinner table to your couch and like, mm-hmm. so you're around. Right. Like, there's not much you can do. Uh, so, I, so, I, so, yeah, you're working hard. I would say that, in all fairness, though, from what I gathered pre COVID, is that the digital marketing folks work as hard. Now, they're not working like hard, like, 
like banking analysts, but they're definitely up until like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Like you're yeah. just like, you're seeing things through because what's up happening too in this world, like we're doing so many calls and like that at some point, like you don't get to do your work until like the evening. Right. And I, so what, so I cover, I cover the firm nationally. Right. So what's challenging among my scene in particular is that I cover, like most of the private equity firms are out East. Right. And Every all the VC firms are out West. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so like literally doing calls at six and then for my East coast guys and like I'm doing calls here at 6 p.m. for my West Coast people, right? And then you have to actually do the work. And then, like, life is about follow-up, right? So then, like, when you follow up and triangulate, like, you're doing that in the evenings, right? And then you're having calls with people that are aspiring to go to business school and want to work in banking, and they want to kind of tap in and check with you. So I've been doing a lot of that this week, but, like, there's not a lot of time. But the, the difference is that the job is fun. We work with a bunch of cool, like, the poor codes that I'm covering are, like, really cool. A bunch of cool tech, a bunch of cool, like, e-commerce brands. Like, there's, like, the, like the, 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 the exciting element to that. Um, I don't have to worry about putting on a, cert, a suit and a tie every day mm-hmm. or, you know, like, like yeah, making it that. like that. I've been, I've yeah, been like away that, from that it, for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like that element, like that element or making sure it's like the right tie. Right. Like they, like the most, like it's like, it's like no, that element is out. Like you just come up, you show up and you go to work, bro. And, um, like that part, like in the economics are like great. I, yeah, I'm, I'm still there. So I don't want to go into too much detail, but like, yeah, it's just like, I'm doing, I, I will be doing just as well as I was doing when I was in New York. Right. And just in terms of like that's if, if, I'm, if we continue to do all the things that we're, we're tracking, we're, we're, you know, we're forecasted to do yeah. and the conversations are just more rewarding. So like, it's, I'll tell you so this. It's, it's a little I, bit of a pay cut on the cash front, but in terms of options and other stuff, it's potentially. Nah, it's, what was hard about, and this is like, what was hard about banking, especially in the seat that I was in. So an investment manager probably won't think, oh, you're not, you're not based in bonus. So your full commission, that's another part. They give you a business card and they say like, hey, oh, okay. you're basing most when you first start, but then you flip this trigger and you go, it's called self-sustaining, meaning that you bring on enough business to outpace your base and bonus. And now you're fully getting paid on the money that you manage, right? Okay, so did you ever so dip down below that base and bonus that go no, in a bad year? No, like, so once, okay. yeah, once, once I was self-sustaining, I was always self-sustaining. So you were getting right? paid probably pretty well by the end. You had that base, big base client. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you were, so the thing is, the boss, yeah, no, I, you know, I, yeah, I was doing, I was doing well. I was doing that. Not only was I doing do well, mind, based do you mind on my sharing life, around? Was it, was it like two hundred k, three hundred? Yeah, I was doing. Yeah, I was doing more than that. Yeah, I was more than more that. that. Okay. I was, yeah, I was. I was the way I was. I was humbly speaking. I was doing more. I was doing. I could have been the twelfth man or eleventh man on the roster for the Knicks. It's like that kind of like yeah, like yeah, but like a lot of it, you know. So like it kind of yeah. like you know, it's not, it's not like when you think about the twelve and eleven man, you can't take like LeBron's and like like AD's contract. Think about like the eleven and twelve man; it's no, very different. And this, is like, this, is like, this is back in those times, right? So like, so like it's like the the pay scale is very different now for sports as well, even for eleven and twelve man. But nonetheless, doing extremely well. But like the hard part was that uh, you were paid in stock too, though, right? So it's like you're you're making this number, you're making a dollar, right? But it's like no, it's really like seventy cents. And you can see the 30 cents that are there, but it's like, nah, it's like 70. Like, so like that yeah. 30, like that, 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 like, so the student loans that I have aren't taking this like 30 cents in yeah. stock. Yeah, what is that four year vest to get the? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, exactly. horrible. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly, right? So, yeah, so like you wait, it's like, I can't pay my student loans. I can't buy a house with that. Like, I can't. You stayed there for a while. At least a lot of those vested the initial. Yeah, it, it, Exactly right. So then the other part is like then you're like you're living in New York. You're like living in. I lived that. I literally lived across the street from the office. So you can kind of work the math. Like literally. So like Golden was two hundred. I'm at the ninety west. Golden Twitter was the other ninety. You kind of work the math and like. So there's a there's it's expensive in this being in the seat right and kind of like maintaining the lifestyle to to be there. It's like nothing extravagant. It's just like these are just costs, right? Um, yeah. So like yeah, you you're doing well, but like you don't really feel like 
You're not banging. If I would have done anything, if I'd done anything differently, I would have worked in like the the uh, uh, the Dallas office or the Miami office because like there's no state income tax. It's a little bit cheap. You know what I mean, it's there's like it's a, like there's, there's like, a, lot, a, there's a big trend for that now. I don't know if you've seen it around yeah. all the news. Yeah. Yeah. All the, yeah, all the firms are thinking about making the trip to Miami, but like, the, then it's like, yeah, if you make that, if you were to move there, like, would I have been able to build my business the same way? Like, at the end of the day, people, there have been people that have been doing my job that look like me in New York City since the early 1900s. So, like, there's not, not that on shock factor. There was still, there was still a lot of it in New York, but like, it was a little bit easier, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, people just get finance in New York, whereas in LA, there's like a lot of education that takes place, just in terms of the industry of finance. So, uh, yeah, no, I was. I was I was doing well when I was in New York. Excuse me, I'm doing well now. The pay structure is very different, it's based and bonus. But um, I run a PNL. You know, we're, you know we'll, we'll be hiring uh, you know, soon soon enough in terms of like rolling out the business. Um, but it's more. I, I think I think what's interesting, especially given the, the demographic that you're talking that we're talking to, is that for me, like I think everybody wants you know as rightfully so they were going to maximize their growth, their earnings potential, right? And I get it. Like I was, I had grew up with nothing, and that, and I hate when people like say that. Like they kind of grew up with a lot. Like literally, I grew up with like I didn't even have much, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I wanted to like maximize it, and they're they're different. Like maximizing is relative too, right? But I want to make as much money as possible. Then when you do it, and that's when you realize, and people tell you this, like money isn't everything. I used to get pissed off when people used to say that, but they were wealthy. They're like, oh, money isn't everything. Like, I'm like, dude, you're wealthy. Like, let me experience it first, and then I'll tell you. I'll tell you that money isn't everything. So people that are listening, money isn't everything. But um, you know, I understand that you got to experience it for yourself. So now I'm at the point in my in my career, in my life, where it's like there are other things that bring me happiness outside of getting paid, right? And so like what you'll see is like there are tons of people that are that are still in banking to this day, and they hate it. They hate it. Like they just like they just like this is like they like they're miserable every day, right? Because like the money is there, but maybe you can't spend it the same way. Maybe cause like it doesn't hit the same, right? Yeah, or your relationship with your family or friends. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah, like I, I see my kids, I'm able to pick them up from school. Like my kids are gonna get to the age where they, they're gonna start playing, like, when once the world normalizes, they'll start playing ball, like any kind of ball or any kind of sport. I can be a coach, you know what I mean? Like I can just like, I can, yeah. I can, I can be there. So like, there's, there's like a rewarding element to that, that, you know, in my, in my life right now, like supersedes, you know, the dollar, right? So, um. And so now I'm doing it. I still get paid a, a, a well enough dollar, right? Like I have that flexibility, and I'm working with just like really cool, normal people, right? Like of every aspect of life. Whereas yeah. you know, I was in this like small kind of silo world where it was like it just, yeah, it just wasn't real. I get it. it. it was, well, I mean, yeah, it's a long it, it, run, man. People usually don't last for ten years. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, I, I, I remind, I, I get reminded. My friends remind me every once in a while, yo, like you were there, you know, on the street for ten years. It's like, and it's like. Yeah, I guess I was, right? And it's like, never knew anything about it. Nothing about it at all. Like, I've had a bank account at, like, Chase back in the day when I was a kid. Like, I just, that's it, right? That's like, all I, and then I, and then it was funny. I forgot what year Pursuit of Happiness came out with Will Smith. Like, I was like, that's like my freaking life, right? It's like, just like cold calling. Like, he's like, you know, I forgot where he worked in the Bay, but uh, it's like the Chris Gardner story, actually. And he was like, he's like, you know, cold calling. Like, he came from nothing, but like, it's, yeah, it was just a grind. I made tons of great relationships out there. Um, I think everybody deserves an opportunity. Well, before COVID, I don't know what New York is like now, but I think everybody deserves an opportunity to live in New York for a little bit. They like to feel it and they get the energy of the city. I think that's a place where like the brightest, you know, people. And this is like me romanticizing. I, mean, I get it, but like the brightest, like let me let me let me finish. The brightest, the brightest in any given area go there. They move there. That's no, like the all star. I, I was gonna ask like, you. I was gonna ask you. So like we've kind of come to where you're at now is there anything just looking back 
not what you'd regret or anything you'd change, but like any kind of work, final words of wisdom before we wrap up, like in terms of. Yeah, I think yeah where was it? i think i think everybody deserves the opportunity to live in new york especially yeah. with their finance i think i loved it i was there it. for six years yeah it was, it's, I yeah it yeah to see it to see it to smell it i think it's like outside of finance like new york is very diverse every every like walk of life is there every religion is there every language is there and you just like the thing is like new york versus la is like la is bubble culture you I know mean, like everybody's in their car they kind of live in their respective areas and you may go from one area to the other but you're in your car in new york you're on the train you're literally my had a, I had a, a, a client I had, a, I had a, a millionaire client who was like worth like 600 million. He would take the train all the time. I knew a billionaire guy, so would take the train, right? You're there, you got the banker, you got the attorney, you got the dancer, you got the person newly immigrated, you got the homeless person. Like, he's like, you know, it's like everybody's on the, and you just, even if you're not talking, you see each other, right? Like, you just kind of see, so um, I think there's something like exciting about that. And it just makes you sharper. I remember when I was in New York, people were working all these crazy hours of the day, but I like, still find time. Like, I'm, like, I work out a lot, and not as much as I should be right now. So COVID, but like uh, quarantine, like, yeah, but people are like, they're working 60 hours a week, but they go, like, they're training for the marathon, right? Or, like, and they're volunteering, they're volunteering 15 hours a week, whatever number, I don't know, at some like nonprofit, right? Or maybe yeah. they have their own business. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like literally these the all-stars, the best and the brightest are out there. So if you could spend some time there, I think that's, that's one, you know, kind of like uh, last nugget I'll leave. And others just in terms of thinking about like, I think the follow-up piece, like the triangulation that I chatted about, I think that's critical. I think the, um, the safe conversations is critical. What I, what I would also say, this is very helpful for the people that are in the audience, and we can end on this note, is that what they have to remind themselves is that when they're pursuing, a, when they're looking at a job or looking at a firm, and they're trying to get face time with these executives that are there, there are thousands, hundreds of other people just like them, those students, that are reaching out. Right, it sounds crazy, like like that are just like you, right? It's like if you find somebody that doesn't have time, because literally they're trying to do their job, manage their household, and allocate time to students. Like they just don't have time. So what they can do to what in order to be successful in terms of navigating the recruiting process, and I didn't mention this, is that I was very intentional and thoughtful about all the conversations that I had. So as opposed to like, hey, can we spend an hour to thirty minutes? It's crazy, sometimes I hear this, you know, chatting. It's like, hey, can we spend fifteen to twenty minutes talking about these four things? You know, very like relevant points, very like custom like the target like the, yeah. to the region that to the region that they're in, and it's building on prior conversation. Can we talk about these four things in 15 minutes? Right? You get them on, you talk about it, you kind of connect the dots of who else you know, like the other conversations. Like you, you demonstrate the work that you've done. Like I, I've taken the time to chat with this person, and he told me that this is what unique, what's unique about the Boston office, and like the versus the the Dallas versus the LA office. It's like okay, this person kind of gets it, right? And so then once you get to your questions, it's like, all right, 15 minutes is up. If they like you, they're going to be like, no, let's, let's continue to talk, right? But then it's like- yeah, let me if, help if, you if, because you actually aren't just clueless, just asking. Yeah, like, let, let, me, let me give you more time. Yeah, let me let me give you more time, right? And then um, and if they're busy, and then they'll say, you know what, I'm busy now, but like maybe we can follow up at some other time. But like at the end of the day, you're being thoughtful, you have your note, and, like, and then you, you follow up. And then like after that, you have me, you say, thanks for the time. You don't say- you don't request another, like, thanks for the time. I'll keep you posting along my journey, right? And you keep them posted, right? And then they'll want to check in with you, like, hey, how's it going? Or you'll, you'll, you'll send them that note, like, hey, I met with these other people. They're like, oh, we should probably catch up again. And like, you'll find them, because hey, you're being respectful of the time, but you have to rem- be mindful of the fact, like, all your classmates, all, and they, so, so, so my, my responsibility was, I had, like, the LA pipeline, I had the UVA pipeline, I had the Reardon Fellows pipeline, I had my fraternity brothers pipeline, I had, you know, diverse hires minority hires right i had that pipeline right mm-hmm. and like everybody was and then i just had like everybody like you know look me up on linkedin it's like hey, everybody's like 
they're all calling me. Can I get 30 minutes? I'm like, no, dude, I don't have 30 minutes for myself right now. Right. But if you yeah. say, Hey, this is what I've done. I want to talk to you about, you know, for 15 minutes about these given topics. It's like, Grace was like, that's that part. And the other part, what I used to start doing when I was at Goldman, everybody would hit me up for time is that I would actually encourage group calls because at the end of the day, it's like it's you and your classmates, you guys are all asking about the same things, right? Like, yeah, yeah. how'd you get there? What is the life like? So like, let's all find 30 minutes where we can collectively talk, still send me your questions in advance. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll give you the information you need. And so like, you don't, like you don't have to sell me. Like I'm, I'll, you'll get the information you need, and it just helps me out, and it allows me to like to make those conversations. That like to make time for those conversations. So just be mindful of your audience. Understand like they have job responsibilities. They're not high, giving you the highs because they want to talk. Like just like there are hundreds of other people like you that are reaching out that are trying to ask. Like if everybody, if hundred people ask for thirty minutes, you can kind of do the math, right? It's like it's just yeah. not going to work. So just be mindful of your audience. The good part about this is your advice will now hit several thousand people in one shot. Exactly. <laughs> so I tell people, like, I tell people, I tell, yeah. I tell, I tell my guys, like, you should just record it, man. Just like record it, literally, or like, I point to like a document. Yeah, you can, here, you can like, point to this pod. You just listen to this. <laughs> yeah, legitimately, it's like there's there's tremendous. Yeah. I do this like like you know, Reardon has been good. Like I think I talked to their their students. Like they've been really good. Like what well, we can point to without like point. Like, let me point to this and like because people, you got to be, and this is like from a biz dev perspective. I'm always mindful of my audience, right? Yeah. And like right now, this week. It's been really weird because like things are slow. People are some people are at the office, some people aren't, but it's like I think it's like pretty like audacious on my end to like to reach out to somebody it's like, hey, give me a new business right now. It's like it's like it's like New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's, it's like the week before the it's a like week before the holidays. It's like for the record, this is you, December 31st, 2020, for anyone listening yeah. to recording so, this. So. It's, 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 it's to be fair to Pat, he's been nice, he's been like trying to get in front of me for a couple months. I was just been like pushing it back, so I've been busy, but like this is the best week for me because things are slow, right? In terms of like all my clients and like the VCP guys or girls, like they're not on the desk necessarily. So it doesn't make sense for me to go out and like to reach out for new business right now, because one, you don't want to miss, you don't, you only get one shot, quote unquote, you don't want to miss a shot. Right. So you yeah. want to make sure it's impactful. So like, I'll just wait to the tell Like I'm mindful of like the people that I'm talking to, like, will they receive this outreach well right now? And that's all that also goes back. And I should have clarified. It's like, you were asking about all the calls I was making. I was like, I made a, sh- a quick pivot to make, doing emails because in emails, in New York City, everybody's head down, looking at their phone, texting. You don't get a signal sometimes, like texting or like getting an email, right? And, I, and you can kind of control an email. Imagine this. There are people that have been calling me right now during this podcast. And it's very disruptive, right? I'm here. I am talking to Pat. Like, I should have, should have, we should have been chatting months ago. Like, I can't take the call, right? And in the same way where like, I was calling on people trying to get their, their, their capital, it's like, you know, I'm trying to get their capital. Everybody else is trying to get their capital. There's not much, there's not too much unique about what we were doing at Goldman. I mean, it's a great brand, but like reality is like strategy solutions are, are pretty much similar across yeah, the street, sense. right? Yeah. yeah. So like, you just got to be mindful of the audience, man. So it made more sense for me to send somebody an email knowing that they can respond to it when they want to. Sometimes they'll respond late at night because they've done their work for the day and I'll like, get into their emails at 11 a.m. I mean, 11 p.m. And then when they responded, I would be, I would still be up and I would respond back too as well. And then the other piece is that, I would, I would end up making the calls, but now I can reference the email that I made. Hey, Patrick, it's Pierre Laveau calling from X, Y, and Z, following up on the email that I sent, right? right but like, right. so I'm, I'm a big fan of just like, yeah, just being mindful of your audience, man. Like giving yourself a bit of, uh, giving yourself a bit of grace, giving them a bit of grace as well. And just being like, it's so easy to be kind of consumed on the me, me, me. Like, why isn't somebody responding? Why aren't they being helpful? And you got to understand, like, people are just, like, dealing with a lot and, like, they're working on other stuff. So I, t- I tell people, it- yeah, you get, you get a hit rate of 5%. You're doing, you're doing well for cold. Yeah. But you got to make, you got to make it, you want to make it easy for them, right? Like, even exactly. when I was talking to one of my colleagues uh, two hours ago, she sent a recap email to one of our clients. 
I'm like, you want to make it so that they don't have to think about how to respond. Like, give them, give them an, uh, an action, either yes or no. Yeah. Or actually, this is what I do. It's like, tell them what we're going to do and allow them to say that we're not going to do it if it doesn't fit, right? Like, this is what we think the budget is going to be. It's like, as if they don't want that to be the budget, then they'll come and they'll tell you. Otherwise, you said like, hey, can you, you give me a budget? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, you ask them to give you a budget, like, they're not going to really focus on the email. They're going to focus on their day-to-day job. So, um, man, no, it was, it was hopefully, you know, what I, what I shared today could be impactful to somebody. Uh, be mindful of, can I, can I leave one, one quick 20-second yes, story? Be go ahead. Yeah, go. There's this concept, huge nugget. It's this concept of running your own race. Right. And it's like kind of like, you know, you're only, you're only competing with yourself. Running your own race means, and I learned this when I was literally in New York City, I used to run up and down a West Side Highway um, and the bike paths, or whatever. And um, so in, in private wealth, it's like, yeah, like it's easy to get distracted about other people bringing in business, but you don't like, you don't know if that story can be replicated. Right. So like you got to stick with your plan, how many calls you're going to make, you know, your approach and your business plan, like execute and you got to run your own race. And the reason why, and it really does have a racing function. Cause I remember being on the West Side Highway. That was, I, like, I was a New York City marathon runner, you know, sub four hours. Like, I was like, you know, I was, wow. I, I was running, right? Uh, as big as I am, too, right? So, like, but nonetheless, like, I remember running on the West Side Highway, and, um, and like, you'll be running, and, like, somebody will literally pass you up and make a quick right. Yeah, like, well, she's like, how are they, like, like, why am I, like, how am I running this? Like, how are they passing me up, right? But, like, what you don't realize is that that person could have just been starting out with fresh legs, right? And it's like, they're just running, and they maybe they'll, they'll kind of, like, you know, slow down down the end or they can be finishing their run they want to finish it with the sprint so when they turn the corner you don't like you don't know where they're starting at and you don't know where they're ending right so what's more important for you is to maintain your pace you said you want to you know start out with this pace like so run your own race and like don't get caught up with what everybody else is doing because you don't know the circumstances in which those kind of quote-unquote success have, have occurred right uh, you don't know if it can necessarily be replicated so make sure you have a very thorough plan and you just execute on your plan you be mindful of competing with yourself so hopefully that was a good one to end on i appreciate the time man it's uh, definitely was a good chat i love that i love ending on that because i think it's so so true it, it relates to a lot of things not just the, the with the work plan which is life in general and not looking yeah. always to your side and being content with what you have and grateful for what you have it's crazy especially in the social media world man it's like there's so oh, much data yeah. out there like, yeah I, yeah, like it's like it's easy to kind of get caught up. Like you literally got to be like disciplined and like run your own race, and it would definitely work there's itself a, out. There's a lot of people showing the best part of their lives. They're not showing the the, the parts that are stressed, the the sleepless nights, the kids screaming, my kids, you know, literally. screaming. Like, yeah, it's this is not easy. I got crazy. I can't even shave. I don't have time to shave. I'm like hopping. Yeah. Out like, yeah, you know, you know, if you are like, oh, you know. I, people like to glamorize stuff, but it's, you know, well, I, I, romanticize, I romanticize a lot of stuff, but I, I, I also have a good habit. Of you like made me miss New York. You made me miss yeah, me. no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have a very, a very, I'm very candid about like the realities of the job, the places that I work. Um, you know, it's just like, yeah, like people do business with people that, that they, that they're familiar with, that they like, and you know, and you can find yourself being not. So I was very knowledgeable. I am, and I was, and I'm very knowledgeable about tons of stuff. I have not experienced it, but I am very knowledgeable of it. Right. Yeah. Because, I'm just an intellectually curious kind of guy. And I knew that, you know, selfishly enough that it would benefit for me to, to kind of know about these things. But yeah, um, yeah man, no, great chat today. Sorry that it took a little bit longer than, um, than anticipated, but you know, no, no. definitely was, it was, um, it was, I, I received a lot of benefit from it. Yeah. I received a lot of benefit from it. So uh, for those that are out there that are thinking about uh, that are the professionals that like myself that have, have a little bit more experience or a little bit of experience or thinking about doing a podcast, it's a great, it's a great experience. I would recommend it. 
kind of therapeutic in ways. Um, yeah, it makes me feel bad because I am getting old. Like, yeah, I've been working at these places. I start start throwing years out. Like, oh, I graduated in 2002, like high school in 99. Like, oh, man, like, exactly. you're up there. But nonetheless, um, I, no, no, thank you for the time. And if there's anything else I can do to be helpful, thank you. And thank you for everything you've done for, like, my network as well. No, thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.